Testes. Well, there you are. Hey, man. Testicles. Can you hear me? Jokes. Jokes. Yes, I hear you. Yeah. Must be a long delay. <laughs> well, I was really trying to sell the Testes joke pretty hard. Yeah. That's what she said. Got a beard in it's looking something fierce Having beers with my beers And talking rap careers Reflecting on the years Connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling after shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane on a brew, doing interviews, no topics off the table, but we focus on breakthroughs, so kick up your feet, we're gonna put it in check, you're listening to brews, beards, and shipwrecks, one, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce, we got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear, one, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce, we got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Welcome to this special edition of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. This is Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I am here with the second of three special releases of conversations with my partner and buddy, Mike Walker, also known as MP Walker, also known as Flatline. And uh, I've known Flatline forever, but today we're here to talk about something special. So Royal Ruckus has been around almost 20 years, and 15 years ago, on November 19, 2002, we released a record on Flickr, which was distributed all over the world, but especially in the United States. And it it had a great potential, had a great opportunity, and we're very pleased with, with what happened. Uh, we were hopeful for it to reach a lot more people, but we got where we got, and we are grateful for the run and the opportunity. We worked some, with some incredible people on the album. Uh, just incredible musicians and uh, producers, rappers, um, incredible business people behind the scenes. It was just an amazing experience. And so what I wanted to do was sit down with Mike because, hey, November 19, 2002 was 15 years ago to the day that I am recording this. And we thought it would be great for us to talk about what led us to the release of that record how we ended up with a record deal on Flickr, how we ended up Bakersfield Kids ending up in Nashville, and then we also wanted to walk you through the record. Now, it went a little long, and I got a little, um, toward the end, I started moving the pace up a little bit, but gosh, what a great conversation this was. So, I hope you enjoy. Uh, if you know the record, uh, you're, you're, going to, you're, you're going to enjoy this uh, whole thing all the more, and hopefully you'll enjoy the backstory that leads up to the record. Uh, we could have said so much more. There's a lot more that could be said about the guys from Red 5, Josh Babiar and uh, Hayden Meathy. Shout out to my boys. Uh, you guys always have a special place in our heart and our history. Uh, we couldn't have done what we did without you. Um, but yeah, seriously, uh, check this out. Enjoy it. But now if you aren't familiar with this record, I've got good news for you. Throughout the podcast, I'm going to play snippets of the record so you can hear what we're talking about. And also, shh, you might be able to find it online somewhere. Maybe. Maybe. Just look. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, my beagles and my chihuahua pug are very interested in why I was whispering. Apparently, 
that is something that they think is really cool because they all jump to attention, even though it's quieter than Okay. On that note, here we go. Well, it is once again late at night. Here we are. Here we are talking, yeah. talking the royal ruckus. So what's the uh, what's our agenda here? Yeah, so it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, I think we should just jump in, man. Um, we we did. I've I've been editing up tonight. Actually, the last conversation we had, and yeah, um, we get very chatty. But it, I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's just because it's like you and me. But like it's super fun, and I'm not like editing out everything. I'm just taking out some of like the dumb stuff that I say. You know, I'm like drag it on. But goodness, like I think it's a great setup for like the camaraderie and for like our history. Yeah, so, <laughs> I say let's, I had a lot let's, of fun recording that. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. And like, um, gosh, even listening in a second time, I learned a lot about coffee. I need to take take more notes. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, man. Afterwards, I was like, oh, I let I got really rambling about coffee again. <laughs> I've been doing that a lot recently. <laughs> No, but it, like, but but it, but it was good, man. And uh, you know, shout out to our friend Amanda Turpin. I I texted her after that, and I told her that you and I had recorded a podcast, and you talked a lot about coffee. And she was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to listen to every second of that." Uh, so that's awesome. Yeah, legit that's baristas dope. know what know what's up. So so what what are you up to tonight? Uh, I'm sitting on my back patio. Um, speaking loudly for all my neighbors to hear, um, <laughs> just, just enjoying the evening. Uh, kids got nice. to bed about a half hour ago and I wish the kitchen were a little bit cleaner than it is, but I think I'm just gonna let it be. I've got tomorrow yeah. morning off, so, so it goes, so it goes. Well, I, I, I hear you, man. I'm, I'm actually down in Miami, which is not too far from, from where I live, but, oh, we're, um, yeah, I actually got really lucky. I got on one of those websites where you can get like you know resell hotel rooms or whatever. I, dude, this this hotel room is bigger than my house. Oh, nice! Like it's incredible. Um, I have two balconies, and one of them, like one of the balconies, I think probably has almost as much square feet as as my duplex. Um, and then it, it, it's it's just wow. incredible. It's just overlooking the ocean. I'm on the 17th floor. Um, oh, I just got geez. lucky. I don't know, man. Totally lucky. So, Jeez, that's awesome. Yeah, that is can't have fresh. the dogs. So, like, I'm I miss the dogs, but but yeah. still, it's kind of fun. Like, I'm it's beachfront, the whole nine. Like, it's pretty incredible. So, I want to touch on briefly, like, how we got started, and yeah. I'm gonna start a little little bit with a uh, little bit with my own history, and then talk about how you came into that and became sure. an important part of that. Um, yeah. You know, my Chun Jay originally was Cleva MC, as you know, and Cleva MC morphed into Chun Jay, which is essentially what I've been told. I need to verify this. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, Korean? Korean for for like a clever man or or clever person or something like that. Yeah, and this I mean, yeah. this actually started at church camp, and I don't even know. I don't know if you even know that. 
So, it was uh, my f- I just remember you just started calling yourself that, or I, I caught on that you were calling yourself that, oh, and then you, yeah. you mentioned the story, because you've always been like clever MC since yeah you were you were teeny tiny since we were we were way young yeah <laughs> super young yeah so it, it was like freshman or sophomore year i said maybe sophomore year in in high school for me uh with with yoda and we we met these dudes at church camp and we like started a rap group called split image and then yeah. Yoda and I kept that going, but he was Desire at the time, so it was Desire and Clever. <laughs> and, right. um, yeah, we we did we did a few songs together, and then and then like that didn't really go that far, but we had fun. I mean, it was it was a good time. And then yeah, I started doing my own thing, and then I came out with with an album when I was sixteen, and I had this idea that I wanted to make beats. And I wanted to have a production company where I could yeah. charge people for beats. And I came up with this idea for Royal Ruckus Productions. That's right, because I bought and, I bought that cassette tape off you. And I remember oh, did you? like a little thing for <laughs> Royal Ruckus Productions in there, and I was like, "What yeah. does this mean? Oh my gosh!" And then yeah, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I'm so glad you remember that. I mean, that tape was as young terrible, as you were, but... I was a couple years younger than you. So for for me, I was just like, I mean, you like self-produced and. Yeah. Publish a round of cassette tapes. I mean, that's nuts. Like, I thought that was so, I thought that was pretty like a really fresh. I, it was a pretty inspiring idea, actually, when you put that that cassette tape. Yeah, like, I mean, oh, it was you could just to- do this yourself, DIY. Yeah, to- <laughs> total, totally self-made. I mean, like, I bought the cassettes at Walmart. You know, I copied the stuff at like Kinkos or whatever. Like, I mean. It, it was yeah, just you a figured total out how to DIY print out a. You figured out how to print, take a, a photo print, and make it fit into, fold it up into a cassette tape. <laughs> like that was so clever. Yeah. If you will. Well, thank you, like, thank oh, you. Whoa. <laughs> no, it was, it was fun, and, and and also like I did that recording was fun because I'd already done a professional recording, uh, which was not worth releasing. But yeah, that's because I was thirteen. But with that one, that was like a four track that I did with uh, Matt Shaw, who had had been in uh, Joy Toy, which was a punk band. Yeah, and uh, he's Classic done some electronic Field. projects since then. And yeah, so so like we totally did like this four track recording in in his house between his garage and his bedroom, and it was totally fun. And 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 Yoda was in on that, so like. You know, Philip Fernandez was kind of like down with me pretty much from from the beginning with that stuff. But so that's where the idea like Royal Ruckus came out was um, was just a name. And then and then I put the album out and, and that was cool. And then, um, gosh, maybe a year and a half later or something like that, I started hanging out with Jason McCutcheon and yeah, it was a right. joke. And, like, we were just hanging out one day. We didn't know each other very well, but we were kind of different. He, you know, like, when you're in high school, everything's so confusing and weird. And so yeah, you, like, find your niche and you do it. And so, like, his niche was being, like, the rude boy ska guy. Yeah, and he, like, was big. In, he, like, was, like, big in that the scene just in general. Oh, yeah. Like, he was, like, kind of like a big brother to a lot of the younger kids who were, like, just getting into ska music. Yeah. Like Jason oh, yeah. was really hip to a lot of music I was not into, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. like, whether it was like punk, punk, like 
what, what are now like oh, classic definitely. punk bands like no effects like getting me into these bands i'd never heard of at the time um and and like all this whole world of ska music and i was like oh this is crazy um, yeah that was so funny definitely yeah, he, definitely the scene he he was like an encyclopedia of knowledge on that stuff so that that was pretty cool and it wasn't just ska it was it was like definitely like you mentioned punk too um but yeah, so so kicking it with him, uh, we tried to make a rap song one day, and that the how meta is this? Like we tried to make a rap song and it didn't work out, and so we made a rap song about how we made tried to make a rap song that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that was a rude boy and a rapper, and so we had this song for like a couple months, and then. <laughs> And then we were hanging out at your house after like a youth group thing, and that's when I think we talked about this in in uh, the last episode um, a little bit. And and so we're hearing you do some stuff. We're like, why don't you oh, yeah, join our right. fake rap group? You know, it was like <laughs> a Sunday night, like a Sunday night get together or something that happened yeah. to coalesce at some point back at my place. And I just happened to be playing crap that I was like recording onto my keyboard. I didn't even I was thinking okay. computer yeah. computer stuff yet. I was just recording stuff oh, yeah. onto the memory banks of my keyboard. Like well, you were doing that too with your your old Yamaha. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you were and also, but I was also doing stuff like playing drum beats live along with oh live yeah that was stuff the and like thing. and like triggering and then like triggering <laughs> different parts of a song. I was like really I was kind of like. Not using the keyboard photo was for, but tweaked it in a way to like make it make beats in a way that was performing, I guess. And yeah, I remember yeah. you were just like, "What are you doing with this?" And I was like, "I'm just doing what I do, man. I'm not doing anything with this music at all." Yeah, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so, so that that's the funny thing is like, the, it, it, almost everything kind of just happened by accident. We were all just like goofing around, right? So exactly. So next next thing I know, like Jason and I talk to you probably that same night about like why don't we start a group and like my memory of it might be wrong i don't know but i feel like it was a joke like i feel like we were just kidding like let's do this like just for fun you know we'll do a couple songs i don't think like the three of us together had aspirations of of being anything more than just like a couple guys you know a few guys joking around the living room yeah, it was something to do, but it was also like, oh, I can put this to good use, and I'm happy, yeah. and I and I want to I want to put this creative output to to good use. I mean, I'm already yeah, it, all I yeah, all three of us were used to like performing performing arts in yeah. general. So like, yeah. as far as like being performers, it wasn't like too outside of our realm. But to, that's like, true. Put something that we we were creating ourselves, not just recital you know like yeah playing in bands or you know church stuff or whatever we were doing original work so it was like you know creative output it was very satisfying yeah that's that's true and I, I i sometimes forget about that because like i don't think you know like i think of like my work in percussion in the orchestra at school like i don't tend to think of that as a, a public performance but yeah it totally is um it gets you in front of a large crowd yeah at a young age yeah yeah, yeah, and all, all three of us played instruments, all three of us yeah. uh, were in, like, super into music, and we just, we had different strengths, and, uh, yeah, so, so, like, we started this thing, and, like, we take January 21st as our, 
official anniversary, and I think that was yeah. the first time we made music together. I I think we the first sort of uh, recording on agreed the before of, that kind of recording. Yeah, yeah, made on January twenty first. Yeah, and so we named the song that was written on that day that <laughs> name, and then use it as a uh, as a good date to remember ever since. Yeah, so so that so that's so fun. So so much more could be said about that era, but uh, I think we need to you know one two skip a few nine and a hundred here. Oh yeah. Um, so so like we we did that, and then and then um, like a year later we came out with Love Us or Leave Us. And do you remember like why we had such an antagonistic uh, title for for an album? <laughs> Well, as far, as far as I could tell, like, people either, like, weren't getting the joke or, or they're taking us too seriously, yeah. um, but they were, like, for real hating on us, and we were just like, screw you, <laughs> like, love us or leave us, I don't care. Yeah. Like, there was, like, some real haters, and, like, I thought that was yeah. so funny that we were causing people to have that reaction to us. Like, we weren't yeah. trying to cause a stir <laughs> in the local scene or anything, but we were getting reactions. That yeah, that's exactly it, and it was funny because we we kind of had it on a couple fronts. We had it with like people that knew us and actually did love us, but they didn't get the why we were doing what we were doing. Like they knew that like yeah. okay, Jamie's the guy that wants to be a rapper. Ha ha, we don't take that seriously. And then why are these other two guys <laughs> yeah. rapping too? And <laughs> so like we even in our own youth group, we had like some haterade. But then, like, oh, yeah. you know, we were shamelessly, and this is probably my fault, but, uh, oh, you, you helped. You, you made, like, our first website and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. But we, we got online really quick, and... I was like, learning I, HTML at the time. I was self-teaching how to make a website in Notion. Yeah. Which is totally outdated now, because I can't keep up at all with, at all, how right. to design a webpage from scratch. But I was I was designing a web page from scratch. I had the ability to just insert my own HTML, and I was like, "Let's do this." And so I was like, "Hey, let's let's do the Royal Records website." So that yeah, just throwing something up there, and then it kind of took off. Yeah, you know that that was that was huge. The fact that you did that was huge, and like GeoCities and Angel Fire, and then we eventually yeah. had our own domain and. Um, I think we, you know, at least for me, I don't know about for you, but for me, I took a lot of our cues from uh, Sackcloth Fashion because, you know, they were very similar to us. They were from California, you know, indie hip-hop. They were yeah. kind of outside of the box. Um, also Christians, you know, like there were a lot of yeah, similarities. Yeah, still playing some Christian crowds, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, been like yeah. Playing local shows at a club. Yeah. And, and and totally good dudes too that like we could totally connect with and and like yeah. they were super good on that internet stuff when like no other bands were doing that and so like yeah. I'd look at what they were doing and be like oh yeah yeah so they have their own domain yeah why don't we why don't we do that you know <laughs> and and in fact I, I think we well this is probably my fault not yours but I think I stole some HTML from them at one point and um oh yeah that re- totally did because you were both yeah and there was like some some like clever <laughs> notation in the code there that was obvious but we Oops. didn't write it <laughs> or like yeah. pointed to like it pointed to sackcloth domains or something like that somewhere oh. in the code 
That yeah. funny. Got called out on that, I think. Yeah, but you know, I mean, in in those days, like you could copy and paste someone else's content on the internet, and everybody would yeah, it's like, be oh. like, "Oh, thanks, that's cool, that's really nice that you promoted that." But like, yeah. it's a different world now. You don't you don't do that anymore. But <laughs> totally different. So, so uh, yeah. So I want to I want to fast forward. So like that internet thing is yeah it like a big deal. Notice. Yeah, and we, we, we took, we, you know, we made good use of it. We ended up on uh, mp3.com was a big MP3. deal at the time. mp3! That was Man. a great website. Like, the, I, I don't... Next level, next level Absolutely. music at the time. Like, bands I could never get in contact with again were putting out great music on MP3, yeah. through mp3.com. Yeah, and, and, and they they were doing stuff that, like would would lay the groundwork for like Pandora and Apple Music and all that stuff. Yeah, Bandcamp was being done I mean, there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I remember the, the big thing for me, I don't know if you remember this, but like Q-Tip came out with this solo album around the time we put out uh, oh, yeah. Love Us or Leave Us. And right. Q-Tip used mp3.com and uh, we charted like right next to him on their website, uh, it was like <laughs> right. Q-Tip was like number yeah. one, and we were like number two or number three, and it was like what? What the world the, are we the living field in? Field was wide open. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. well, mpd.com was great because you could. Uh, they had a deal for a while. I don't know how much money they lost on it, but you could buy your own CDs, and they're yeah. like like a wholesale almost price. So it was like. You didn't have to go through a, a right. you know a, a channel of paying a a factory to manufacture anything like you yep. just had to deal with having a big mp3.com advertisement on the back of sure. your CD. Yeah, but yeah, but, but fresh. The, it it also offered the bonus of like it it had, um, and this is almost silly now, but back then it was a big deal of having like an interactive CD. Uh, yeah, and, I think you also owned yeah. the MP3s of the album oh, yeah. when you bought the CD. Yeah, it was also it, really fresh. It, it was a brilliant transitional idea. I mean, we had you know nobody had any idea where things would go, but uh, those guys were were super smart in in transitioning there. Uh, but but that was a big deal for us because that was you know was that platform that got us the attention of Seven Ball Magazine. Which oh, got right, us yeah. on the national radar. I mean, when that when that issue hit, um, I guess I got an email or something. I don't know what it would have been at the time. Was, uh, Cameron Cameron String. Yeah, yeah, was Cameron String, who's now of Relevant Magazine, um, yeah. and it, it's kind of funny because he worked closely with Josh Babiar, who for for a while who you know had been our manager and stuff but not at the same time so it's kind of one of the small world yeah. things like oh, everything just starts overlapping but i think he was just like you know putting around on the internet trying to find good music of of indie groups and he stumbled across our stuff and loved it and made us a cover story of the 25 best bands you've never heard yeah and i I got a message going, congratulations, you know, for being featured in this magazine. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I think, I think I was even at work and, you know, I about crapped myself when I realized what had happened. And 
Um, and, you know, we started getting phone calls from record labels, uh, you know, on the other side of the country. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was crazy. And it, and it was a weird transitional point because this is a bit of our history we, we left out. You know, we were talking about Yoda earlier, but, you know, Royal Ruckus was you and me and J-Dog initially, a sophomore, yeah. junior, and senior in high school. And then J-Dog left the group. And then we added Yoda, who'd been already rapping with us anyway, but more just as a buddy. Yeah. And then he joined the group for a while. And then, like, when we started getting the phone calls, was in that weird transitional period where it was it was not clear, like, is he in the group? Is he not? Like, Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, also, little fun side fact. Um, I don't know how well you remember this, but in those early days when it was you and me and Yoda, I can remember several shows where it was just you and me performing or me and Yoda performing. And I can remember being in Las Vegas, for example, and Modesto, where you were in high school still and you were grounded. And we, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yoda and I played the show because you were not allowed by your father oh, to man. come to the show. <laughs> Fair enough, too. I mean, yeah, like his gas money, <laughs> his car. Yo, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... I get it. Uh, I get it. What you know? You got sassy or whatever funny. happened, and uh, didn't clean up the mess. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know why don't you take out the trash? Why don't I, Dad? Quite common. You're grounded. That's exactly. That's <laughs> probably exactly. It. Everything I see in my everything I see coming out in my children, I get to experience that my father had with me. The cycle continues, and it's it's beautiful and amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Yeah, so so anyway, so like we start getting the calls and then and then that's like Yoda left, um, or or like I I think actually, I mean let's be fair, we we demoted him. Um he was still kinda in the group but he was like on the back burner. And then that's what Yeah, we got. but we well, we were like, Yeah, well like if we're gonna be even more serious about this I mean it's two degrees serious, but like in in a position where it was like we didn't want it to be a burden you're right. For, exactly. For, for him, for Yoda to have to, um, you know, to to keep up if he didn't want to and didn't want to like make him feel like he was obligated. Because I know, as good as a, a friend he was, he probably might have put himself in a position where he felt obligated instead of wanted to do something. Um, yeah. And, and he's an awesome guy. Yeah, and absolutely. And even during that period when when he stepped back in the group, like we were hanging out every weekend at least right like all of us so like there there was no love lost or anything and i i remember not what you expect was the album the next you know record that we did the ep that we did where it was just you and me now on the cover but he was on a couple of the songs oh yeah. yeah yeah so i mean it was still like very much like his name was in the liner notes and the not crew. just like featuring. He was mentioned as part of the crew, exactly. Yeah. But I, I, I do remember having a conversation with, uh, I think it was Mark Nicholas from Forefront Records, when I tried to explain that arrangement. And Oh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he's like, um, yeah, maybe that's not interesting to us. <laughs> I mean that's maybe not an exact quote, but that's what I heard. And I was like, "Hey, yeah, Mike, that's, um, 
maybe we need to, to say that. I feel <laughs> yeah, may, maybe you and I need to just be Royal Ruckus. We can still have our friends who rap and do whatever, but maybe you and I need to actually like have our own thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because we were talking to Mark Nicholas. Uh, we were starting to work. We are uh, starting to work with Pigeon John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Opulent, uh, around those times, too. Imagine if we're talking to Mark Nicholas. Gosh. So that was, like, early 2000. Uh, so, like, yeah, I guess 2000, because then we started uh, yeah. doing doing recording sessions for the compilation that Forefront put out. Yeah, um, yeah. That we ended up being on as a result of all this. It's, it's funny looking back, because uh, it was it was all, like, rapid fire in in some ways when when i when i look back it, it was like for me that was such a huge period but really time wise it was a very short time period i could kill that time by snapping my fingers um, that was like five it, years like 98 to 2003 was five years yeah that's, that's yeah how long, that's how long i've lived in austin and just been chilling out you know <laughs> right <laughs> exactly that's a lot to happen in five years so th- tell me from your perspective, because I've been talking way too much. Um, tell me from your perspective how we connect with Pigeon yeah. John and how like Pocketland came to be. And then uh, if if you can even go this far, um, how Pocketland led to us hooking up with uh, Meath and, and Josh Babiar. If I can recall correctly, um, we started getting emails from folks uh after that seven ball article but that had to have been like uh early 2000 maybe or late 99 even but probably yeah, yeah 2000 because right. we, we released uh, not what you expect on uh, new year's day uh of y2k the y2k bug yep. did not hit yep and as such we released our record uh and uh um you know we we uh took up an invitation to uh meet in person with Mark Nicholas at the record at a forefront he was working at at the time uh, yep. to discuss being part of this uh, this uh, forefront dipping their toes into hip hop uh, more than they ever were with uh, DC Talk being their right. their main uh, right. their main foray um, but with uh, getting hooked up Pigeon John producing that that compilation and having his hands all over uh, putting that compilation together. Uh, ended mm-hmm. up uh, working with with Pigeon John. He he came to to Bakersfield and and engineered well, and produced some sessions. Understand that I wanna hold your hand And it's okay because I know God's working in his master plan To make you smile, let's talk a while Just so you know I rock ten miles or more Whatever it takes, like Cleopatra on the Nile I pick flowers with a rake I go home and bake a cake Let's drive up to the mountains And go boating on the lake From my Bible I will read to you The book God gave to me And who saved me from depraved State the one I had no power to choose Perfect example of a P31 The one the Son Christ gave to me And I become my honey Bunny, oh man, I'm sounding funny I will take you out and spend all my money Teachers are good for teaching And preachers are good for preaching But for you, my sweetness, is why I'm reaching Become a pretty goofy and you will reject us But this is to the ladies, yo, it's all us chicas Yo, hope to lay chica in the Adidas sneakers Glad to meet ya, got my teacher Jesus number one 
met a cute lady went by the name of Katie Her shirt said Jesus and a jeans were kinda fady I took one look and then I took a second in the look she took I was took and our eyes met being drawn in Ready to invest in a pretty face Pretty eyes investment in Christ's price At an infinite quantity just the right price For his tranquility KT lady not so shady Never trading or settling for less than God's best for the gospel I feel is most appropriate So what's the deal? Heart still and the next words out of mouth, mouth I feel the burden of the good news of Christ I choose to live my life Cause God really my strife I regeneration, my soul's emancipation The proclamation, music to my ears For years, girls' tears The fears were relaxed God's sovereignty But this lady grasped it almost completely Perfectly I said, yo baby Let's go and get some coffee Grab the Bible, got mine with the help originally talking to Pigeon John and they well and actually talking to a couple other rappers I know um, I think they were also talking to KJ52 I don't know it was like Mark Nicholas or a couple people there were like really interested in hip hop at the time but they were trying to figure out what could they sell how could they figure out the way to market it yeah how would it work yeah and and I, I think with 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 uh, Pigeon John, at least, they couldn't figure out how to market him, but they loved what he was doing. So then we came along, and the, the whole Alas Chicas thing, they were crazy about that. Um, they, they saw potential if that was produced right, you know, the, the way that they could market it, um, that yeah, they might have some success. True. And so I think they went back to Pigeon John and said, why don't we put out, um, you know, a compilation you can produce it or executive produce it or whatever. I think it was executive produce. Yeah. And um, and then from there, you know, we'll figure out what, what to do. What's ironic about that was Pigeon ended up not even having anything on the album. He did executive no. produce it. I'm <laughs> sure he, you know, he got paid and everything. But uh, his song Move On with Flynn and Joey the Jerk was supposed to go on there. And it got cut, and in its place went Flynn's um, sunshine, sea breeze, sea breeze, sea breeze. Yeah, but they didn't even like the original sea breeze, and so they had it, um, yeah, remixed by Painter, John Painter. Is it John Painter? Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, John Mark. Yeah, so. So, so like it was, it was kind of funny, and like move on ended up going on Pigeon John song, uh, Pigeon John CD, um, Pigeon John is clueless, and it, it, it it's actually a really brilliant um, you know, collaboration. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but yeah, ended up on Catchy. that in, instead of the compilation, 
And then they used our song as a lead single, which actually made us some royalties. Not not much, but um, you know, for a while, a little baby we were getting like yeah, we were getting like twenty five dollar <laughs> checks for a while off of one yeah. song. Um, even a long time after that, that album was, you know, long gone and we'd every now and then still get it. So I don't know how, but every now and then we get like, you know, 15 bucks or something. Um, yeah, that's funny. But, but yeah, it was, it was through that. And I, I think because Mark Nicholas really was interested in us at that moment in time, he offered Pigeon John money to go up to Bakersfield and oversee the re-recording of Alas Chicas to make sure yeah. that it would be top notch. And then and then they used that as the radio single. And then you and I put our heads together and we're like, huh, not only do we know Pigeon John, <laughs> but we're yeah. kind of buddies now. What if we did a demo with him and then send it in? That's maybe gonna push them over the edge and we'll finally get that record yeah. deal. That's uh, so, when we started working. We be well. You did. You're you're Mr. Business. I'm. I'm still to this day. I I suck <laughs> and I'm not good and don't get any joy out of the business side of music. Yeah. So you being yeah. able to totally like negotiate terms with Mr. Pigeon John himself to like start working with us on producing this this uh, yeah. this demo turned into the 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 Pocalent. Uh, EP, I guess it came out initially yeah, as yeah. Uh, Pocalypse Fair Change. Um, Pigeon came up to my to my family's house in my little corner of the oh, living room, and we whipped out his MPC it, and yeah, started taking MPC. the beat, the music I was making, and started like loading it up on his MPC and making it sound even better. And like all of a sudden, these like tracks I was making started banging a lot harder. And then yeah. uh, then then we uh, then we we did the uh, the opposite end and and went down to LA to to actually uh, record in the booth. Yeah, at the uh, at LA Symphony's Teradome. Teradome, uh, the the uh, uh, studio that they had at the moment uh, out there on Wilshire Boulevard. Yeah, man, that and, uh, that, that, that was a that really was, great experience. It was it was it was so great. <laughs> we got some great pictures from that time as well. Um, I I do I do have to say it was totally fun hanging out with Pigeon because uh, you know he's just crazy and funny and he he still is the same guy he's obviously more mature and has a lot more life experience but uh, yeah. you know he he could make us laugh the whole time and but like he's also super smart and I remember I got the uh, complete works of Jonathan Edwards in the mail from Amazon at the same time we were working on that project. And it was this total nerd weirdness that, like, I'm writing these silly songs. You and I are writing these silly songs. And then I'm sticking my nose in this ridiculously heavy theological thing. And, like, Pigeon <laughs> ate that yeah. up. He loved like, what that. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he would talk about both. Like, he'd be obnoxiously silly. And then, like, he'd want to talk deep. And, Yo, and then dude, we went, tell me about this. Yeah, yeah. And I, we went we went down to L.A. to work on that project, and I don't remember if it was that same trip. I think it was. I feel like on that trip to record those vocals, um, we went to an L.A. Simp show, and yeah. you and I were standing there, and uh, B. Twice was not there. And they were yeah, having sure. to rap his lyrics for him, and I think he showed up and stood next to us. 
he might have eventually hopped on the stage, but I think he just like stood next to us for a couple songs and was like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and he watched people <laughs> yeah, rapping right. his that's own really lyrics. <laughs> well, I think LA Symphony was performing uh, uh, Spanish Harlem. Is that right? Was it? I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think at that point they were already working on Call It What You Want um, as far as a recording. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Because I, I honestly, I think we recorded that project on their software that they got from Squint Records for uh, for Call It What You Want. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, that makes sense though, because they had they had the, they had their their crap together. The yeah, because because when when they got their records, shit. Yeah, and that and that that was a big deal then because you know. Everybody didn't have recording software on their computer. Only a few people did. And uh, I think when they got signed, they said, hey, how about instead of, um, you know, putting us in a studio, um, you buy us a computer and put, um, you know, recording software on there. I guess yeah. You use Pro Especially Tools or whatever. Like LA Symphony is, is a crew full of people who are great lyricists, but also like almost every single one of them are also great producers. They know their way around yeah, a digital exactly. audio workstation. So it was like, hey, this is super beneficial yeah, to get their exactly. hands on that. Obviously, like, give them that power to keep producing themselves. Yeah, a a absolutely brilliant, especially at the time. And I, th I think it was a wise move. And, you know, when that record deal went south, you know, they had some things to hold on to. And... Uh, not not just cash, but they they actually had you know tools to keep recording. So yeah, um, at some point we we finished that project and put it out, and uh, Forefront never responded. I sent it to them and never heard from them again. I don't I don't know what happened. Um, I've run into Mark Nicholas a couple times after we moved to Nashville, uh, but I never asked him. I mean, what am I going to do? Go, hey Mark, oh, why sure. didn't you sign us? Like. like yeah, we were already I mean, there for other reasons. There's no point in yeah in yeah. like <laughs> bringing anything up other than saying, "Yeah, man." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A... And and at at the point, uh, I think I think the first time I ran into him when I moved into Nashville was like he was actually I think in the same building as our label. He was just working for a different company, so it was like, "Okay, oh, yeah. we're si we're signed." Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm, true. Yeah, it was. That was true. Yeah. But I'd, I'd still like to know, like, when we sent it to them, like, I would love to know what they thought. I would love to know that. But um, but we sent it. They didn't They didn't respond. But it was cool. Like, we made the like, most professional thing we'd ever made. You know, we worked with uh, a dude we really admired and, and respected his skills. From there, it was like, okay, well, if they're not interested, that's fine. No big deal. And we're, I, you know, I don't know how much you knew of this, but we were still getting phone calls. I mean... I got called by Sparrow Records, like Sparrow. I barely remember, except that I remember you just, you know, telling me about these things and then just being like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> like, what do, we, what do we do? What should we do? I mean, I even remember, I mean, you, you wanted to, this, this feels like it was around, probably around that time, but like you were, you were kind of tired of just sitting around at home waiting around, um, you yeah. know, besides some of the few shows we were getting, they were all just one-offs. Like, we'd drive, go play a show, come home. Or in the case yeah. of, like, all the times we were blessed to go out to Las Vegas and play for the youth groups out there, like, you know, we were we were spoiled, uh, you know, by the people that were putting on the shows to go hang out there sure. and be able to spend a weekend. But 
um, you know, you wanted to get a tour going, and I was terrified of that. I was like, <laughs> oh, on tour? I mean, that doesn't even make sense to me as a, you know, as young as I was. Yeah. Um, but I know, like, you were you were ready to like just do something, and yeah. Um, I, I don't know, gosh, exactly how it all went through, but uh, between, uh, you know, eventually Bob Herdman from Flickr Records, yeah. uh, starting conversations with us and then us in turn, like seeking management and then le- you know, linking up with red five, uh, which, which ended up representing us through that, the you know, how we ended up getting together with, uh, with Flickr Records, it, it would seem. Right. That would have been that would have been like a late two thousand one, I imagine. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, that's, that's the right. Timeline of things here. So I I think what happened there is um, you know quick side note. So be, beyond mp three dot com, we were also getting attention from like uh, I don't know if you remember, even remember this, but like Old Navy picked up one of our songs for their website. <laughs> oh, to use on their website, yeah, it was like yeah, website soundtrack or something. And I was like, heck yeah. That was like that was totally a big deal. I mean, it would still be a big deal today, I suppose, in a sense, like if they came up with something like that. But at the time, like going to a website and like audio popping up was kind of new. Big deal, you know? Yeah, and and especially for someone like Old Navy to like put a soundtrack to their website. Um, yeah. So we got picked up for that somehow. I don't remember what they picked up. Um, you know, we were on the in Soul Records uh, multimedia CD that they put out. Uh, yeah. There was, like, there was like a hundred songs on it because they it was an MP3 CD. Yeah. It was just like, here's like, a bunch of indie underground music you've never heard. Some of it's yeah. good, some of it's not. But check just, it out. Just, like, just keep cr- out there. Yeah, crazy stuff was, was happening. Um, and I was on an email listserv, the True Hip Hop email listserv that was run by the guys from Sackcloth Fashion. Yeah. And I, I think it was through that that Meath and Josh, they posted a thing because they, at the time, they were representing Mars Ill and Future Shock as management. And uh, both of those groups at the time were in in our small circles. That you know they were yeah. big fish in a small pond. Uh, in in the in the hip hop world, uh, and particularly in the hip hop world that was like self consciously Christian, whether you call that Christian rap or not, was a, another debate at that time. But um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, and they were you know both of those groups were incredibly talented, and I looked at that and I felt like it was maybe a little bit above our reach, but I still felt like it was worth trying. And so yeah. I sent them pocket lint, and uh, Josh and Meath loved it, and they they wanted us they wanted to represent us right away, and that's how we got connected to Flickr. Um, yeah, that's the, right. The, I mean, yeah, it, it felt like uh, I mean, for what it's worth, you know, whatever they were working on, they also like for the most part got our sense the sense of humor that was like subtly in there. Yeah. Even oh though, yeah. You know, pocket they lint. Pocket lint had some like had some deep themes in there as well, but like some of the more stuff that you don't know to laugh at it, they got some of those jokes. And I think that was a good sell, like yeah. to get them on our side. Big yeah. time. And, and honestly, I think it, I think it actually happened faster than we realized. Like, because, oh, and part of the reason I think that is I'm pretty sure pocket lint came out late 2000 or early 2001 
and they already had us in Nashville at GMA in April um, that same year. 2002. No, oh, no, yeah, no. Right. We no, we moved right. in 2002, but we were there, dude, in 2001. Yeah, that's right. We jumped out there. Yeah, and, and uh, this hotel room I'm kicking it in kind of reminds me of it because um, when when we were there in 2001, that's when I turned 21. That and was it, dude. Oh, it's all coming back. Yeah. Yeah, 2001, GMA, and we ended yeah. up having a birthday party <laughs> at the Opryland Hotel. Yeah, right? dude. <laughs> in a suite or in like a like a party suite. I mean, it was like... I mean, probably, I mean, probably about yeah. the size of the place you're in right now. I mean, it was like a, it was like a living, like enough space to live in. It was huge. Yeah. It was crazy. You, you and I had our own bedrooms. There, there was a living room. There was a kitchen. It was my 21st birthday during GMA week, and a relative of mine hooked us up with a $500 room for like a hundred bucks. I think my, yeah. I think my Something parents insane. paid for it. I definitely know there was a six-pack of Heinekens and, like, some helium balloons waiting for us when we got there. It was a, and we had so much fun. Bucket. We played cards, all that bucket. stuff. Iced yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Absolutely. An iced bucket of Heineken. And uh, I had, like, started coming down with, a, like, a stomach bug, and I was, like, hardly choking down those Heinekens. I was just like, and that was when... <laughs> Were you? That's, like, the, my, my stomach feels scabby. Uh, oh, that's I have right. you quoting me, and actually a, a, a Moleskine book you gifted me has yeah. that quote from that night uh, inscribed <laughs> in the front for posterity. <laughs> oh, I just, I, I just remember laughing so hard with you that night, and uh, yeah, we definitely smoked some cigars, we drank some beers, we played oh, some yeah. cards, and we laughed a lot. That's what I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was a very good. That was a very good birthday party, as small as it was, and far away from family as we were. Yeah. So little did we know, a year later, we would actually have a record deal. We would be living in Nashville. Um, actually, at the at the moment, we were living in Meath's house, and you know his son. And the, uh, in fact, I'm wearing a T-shirt right now. The Giant and the Tailor. Uh, uh, Britton Meathy. Is that Britton Meathy? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Chill babies back then when we moved in. Yeah, I feel like he was like six or nine, Gosh. something like that. Yeah, like he was like uh, already a cool, really kid, cool kid. Like for as young yeah. as he was. <laughs> and and we were we were just hanging out there, having a good time, and and then uh, you know now he's grown up to to be a pretty incredible artist of his own right, which we yeah. talked about in the, in the last episode briefly. Um. But yeah, it was cool stuff. And so, so like, the funny thing was we, we actually negotiated a record deal before we even moved to Nashville, uh, but we did not sign it until we moved there. And yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I, I felt like, I don't know if you remember this, but I felt like it was it was a gesture of good faith. They they sent us, like, a $1,500 check for a moving expense yeah, be- before we there. even re- inked the deal. And that made me very comfortable with that company. That was crazy. I mean, I don't know that I could have imagined the move to go to Nashville happening if they hadn't, you know, trusted us so much. Because, I yeah. mean, I was already terrified yeah. anyways. And I, but I just feel like, okay, our expenses are taken care of to get us out there. I mean, and not even covered us, like, not needing, like, 
we got a we got we were able to get a sign an apartment lease when we first moved there without even having jobs yet because we were like, well, we work for Flickr, right? So, <laughs> and we have money in the bank for a moment. So, <laughs> for a moment, sign this lease and hope we get yeah. real jobs soon. Yeah, <laughs> jobs that have a paycheck. Yeah, I never thought about like how we handled the lease. That definitely was because we had uh, Flickr money, but um, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of funny. I, uh, there's a there's a uh, Pitch John song. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. With my record advance, now every single night all I do is stands. Hook up with my friends, yo, let's take a chance. Let's spread the true love and the gun advance. I bought some new pants. With my record advance, now every single night all I do is stands. Hook up with my friends, yo, let's take Shut a up. chance. Let's spread the true love and the gun advance. I bought some. I wanna be rich. I wanna pay my rent. Yeah. Trying to make a milli out of 15 cents. Yes. I'm trying to get this girl up in the car with no dents. I'm trying to get these credit cards the Monday night. <laughs> I feel like there's a Beastie Boys connection there, but I can't think of it right now. But, uh, yeah, we, we lived that for, like, a brief moment. And and I remember, too, like, by the time we got signed, the L.A. Symphony deal had, had gone very sour. And I was getting advice from those guys. And I remember Flynn... Just being like, you need like two years of living expenses from your record advance. That's how you need to do it. But by the time it like came down to it, like I felt like it was like, this is your one chance. And you, you can't just take anything they offer you, but you also can't like hold out forever. And yeah. I, I felt like we, we finally between, uh, you know, Red Five, and then we hired a, a really damn good lawyer. Um, I don't know if you remember that, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah between be, be and and the the lawyer had just negotiated the Everyday Sunday um, yeah, record okay. deal with the same label, so I felt like you know we got it right here. This is this is the best we're gonna do. Well, you know, let's go for it. It made plenty of sense. I mean, we felt I felt like we were more. Uh, for what we were doing in tune with what Flickr records could help us do versus like kind of being intimidated by the fact that, you know, we're talking to forefront records year or two yeah. before, like that's yeah. a record label. That's just like all stars, like all yeah. in like the gospel, yeah. you know, and uh, Christian music industry. Like that was, that's like kind of like weird to feel like you have to, like meet up with that kind of quality of performer when right. maybe I feel like I I've, I feel like I'd be a liar if I tried to go along with that. Sure. Like it's, I'm not really that kind of a person to like be a you know in the gospel and Christian music industry right. to like be superstar status like so many other people on the label. Uh, but yeah. Flickr Records, you know, had had like people there. They were just putting out good music. I mean, they still had you know, uh, you know, high production quality standards, you know, and as well for their for their stuff. They weren't just putting out you know garage garage rock, uh, you know, bands that were just willing to record right. whatever. They wanted it done right. But um, it, it seemed like you know we had a little we had, we had we would have a little bit more room to be ourselves. Uh, just yeah. knowing we would be marketed towards you know, like the youth group scene uh, and, and realizing that would put some, that could put some barriers on where some sure. of our, our lyrics and sense of humor might go uh, in the, you know, for a wider market. Um, right. But all, all in all, it, it made sense. I mean, it makes sense 
still looking back to see that that's how that happened. And yeah, and it got and, us out there. Absolutely, and and without getting into like uh, which I would love to, but um, you know we only have so much time. But with, without getting into some of the politics of you know were we Christian rappers or were we rappers who were Christians or what whatever all that uh, you know stuff is that people talk about. Um, you know, we wrestled with, with that kind of stuff. Like, but the reality is like when we formed, we were youth group kids. Even, yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Even if we weren't exactly. like always being like, okay, we're going to be, you know, ministers who rap. Like that was not really us. Even when we did think it was like some sort of ministry in some sense, you know, there was at least a period where we talked like that. Yeah. But, like we never really fit one mold or the other and we were never quite sure where we fit. And I think some of that was just how young we were. And then like our own interests. I mean, you know, we were youth group kids, so we, we like uh, the youth group culture. I mean, the youth group exactly. culture was blowing exactly. up in the nineties with us. And, you know, we were like, Hey, our, our social circle, we're fellow youth group kids. So it made yeah. sense to like play within our realm you know, it didn't right. necessarily mean we were, like, feeling called to be ministers of the gospel, but, you know, we right. all knew it, and we were singing to, you know, we were singing to the choir, so to speak. I mean, right. we, so there there wasn't any reason to, like, not bring up stuff. We all had common interest right. or knowledge or could reference, you know, I'm, like, we all just went to Bible study, you know, a couple days ago, so it might be funny to throw in a verse about something that we all yeah. under, you know, I can throw a reference in that all makes sense to everyone that's going to be in our, our circle of folks that are going to hear this music. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, as, exactly. as such, you know, it, it plays well with, with other, you know, actual Christian ministry acts that we might open up for um, yeah. or, or uh, be paired up with. And, and that, I, that makes sense, I guess. I, I think I think there was um, a purity in our hearts and how we tried to do it that is not always visible. But it, I think a good example is I can remember times where, um, and this is going to sound crazy to some listeners probably, but where we, we would get together right before the show, two or three of us, depending on what era we're talking about, and we would say a prayer that our performance would be good, that we would be able to encourage people or, you know, whatever we prayed. You know, clearly we wanted to be helpful to our audience. We weren't just simply trying to, like, mm-hmm. praise ourselves. We were trying to go out no. and, like, be positive. Yeah, um, be a source of positive energy for whatever crowd we were playing towards. Like the, Exactly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and so we, we would do that, but then we would also, after the prayer, yeah. before the prayer, I don't remember which, we'd take a shot of tequila. A shot or two, maybe. I mean, depending yeah. on how much we wanted to laugh on stage. I mean, you know, now that we're old and we can look back on that, of course, like, I mean, get get a little loose. I mean, you can, yeah. you know, when it felt like growing up, uh, alcohol was kind of taboo, or, or at least there was like a kind of like this, like, unspoken prohibition, but it was like, yeah, oh, yeah. once you're an adult. Um, yeah. But to be just like, hey, you can actually use this as a tool, like some people do. Like, I don't yeah. know that that ever spurred any notions of like wanting to go further. Like, I still, um, I'm drinking a beer tonight as we talk, but I like I barely drink alcohol anymore. And yeah. but I, I totally understand how it can be used as a social tool, and 
that was a lot of fun. Like, hey, we put on some pretty high-energy performances as a result of yeah. getting a little bit more loose before, you know, and, and, and putting a blessing, you know, praying a blessing upon our performance. Like, may we may we do a good performance yeah. and do well and entertain. And if someone out there that we don't know is having a hard time, maybe they'll be blessed by our performance tonight. Uh, I mean, yeah. a lot of good stuff there. I think it's, it's a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think I think in your explanation of that you really captured the heart of where we were at that time, and you know that's not far off from you know where I am right now when I go out and perform. Um, but I think there was a little more innocence and a little less cynicism when we were younger uh, than I oh, am sure. now, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anyway, so with, without going, you know, all the way down that rabbit trail, although that would be fun in a future episode, um, I'd like to briefly turn our attention to the self-titled album itself. Um, without giving a full history, we're, we are approaching the 15th year of its release on November 19th. Yeah. Kind of crazy oh. to imagine 15 years. I'm, I'm teaching Sunday school now to kids that are like 17 and 18, and it's it's weird to imagine that they were, you know, like two <laughs> when the album Whoa. came out. You know, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty wild. Holy moly! Yeah. So, uh, what I was thinking, um, rather than than go into like the full background of it, I would say let's just go through the album song by song. I think the background will flesh yeah. itself out a little bit. We should start with the title. Um, for one yeah. thing, I, I wanted to call it self-titled, like actually call it self-titled. In quotation marks, the album as a joke, self-titled. <laughs> which not which, royal records, royal records. Yeah, no, yeah, and that, and that and that goes along right with your joke that we talked about in the last episode of oldies hits for two thousand. Like, it's ridiculous. It's you know, doesn't really apply self-referential jokes, like it's whatever, a, like that stuff joke, we're into. A joke on naming conventions, I mean, if anything, like exactly. to, to just feel like you're, you're, you have a self-titled album. Well, my album is titled self-titled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so we didn't get that luxury. Uh, we got, we got vetoed somewhere along the process and whatever. That's fine. It would have been a joke that nobody would have really gotten it anyway. But um, but now at this point, you know, like on Noise Trade, we can call it self-titled and that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, we jump to the first actual song and that's Next Best Thing. Get so hang out at the beach with the friendly sea otter The potter, it all flows from his hand Predetermined plan for this two-man band I spread some jam when my mama make toast Michael set me straight when I charge a burger Okie dokie, out of chokey, your brag is kinda bad Sometimes I'll eat oranges when I'm feeling sad Rockin' shows on the stage, bringing beats to the youth Handing out flyers with love for the truth
this yeah. is a song we actually wrote in Bakersfield, uh, in in your yeah. your garage. Um, tell me about next other... best thing. So, like uh, musically, I, I I liked a chord progression I heard in a Ben Fold five song, and I was like, that's ah. a catchy, that's a catchy hook, uh, and um, I. I emulate like I didn't. We we aren't rapping over Benfold Five music. Like it's not. I didn't sample it. Yeah. You know, like we'd like to arrive at something. We're sampled Benfold performing. Right. She don't use jelly. This was just me being inspired musically. But as such, it became the awesome. musical backbone of these four chords for the whole song. Um, and then it took on you know the melody burst on itself. Uh, but I know. Um, uh, you know, I worked on it in my garage. Uh, I'd moved into a new house. My parents had a house my parents built, and they built me a, a corner in the garage. They extended the garage so that I could cram all my music gear in the garage and take it out of the gosh darn house so they didn't have to hear it. And, really? Uh, and had I, didn't, me, I didn't realize oh, yeah, that was that, deliberate. That, yeah, that that floor plan uh, was had, they had like standard like the contractor had you know a handful of uh, floor plans and them being the genius engineering minds that they are they know how to read blueprints they went how about we do this instead and they're like okay so you know that's fantastic the house my parents live in has modifications to the uh, to the stock floor plan as a result of them knowing <laughs> how to you know how to that's read awesome. blueprints. Um, but they put several, like, five, six feet wider, uh, you know, with a little raised area, which is where we recorded a good handful of stuff. Uh, I mean, a, a lot wow. of, like, un- unreleased demo B-sides and stuff that have since, like, oh, yeah. on, you know, uh, wacky releases that we have put out ever since, you know, like fundraisers or uh, little anthology collection one-off pressings that we did of songs that had, like, demos. You know, if we're talking about, like, uh, yeah, you know, stuff like... Uh, um, Sunshine, California, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, these are tracks that we did in that garage. Oh, um, yeah. But next best thing was was around that same kind of recording time when I was just coming up with beats. And um, gosh, I know it's as far as writing it, I, I'm pretty sure this was like a hook that started off as a verse, which tends to oh, yeah. a lot. You're right. Where I just I just come out with a really poppy first four lines, and you're like, "Yep, hold off, that's the hook." And I'm like, "All right, understand. We're going to the next best thing." Yeah. Sincerity, clarity, like a diamond ring. And then, I don't know, uh. Understand, we're going for the next best thing. Sincerity, clarity, just like a diamond ring. So, like, flowers after hours, we feel like stick on your feet, at your seat, and that's why we sing. Well, shit for me, tempers, then blow me down. I had a new squirt gun, it got stolen by a clown. Light up, crusty. Well, just a little water, just a hang out at the beach with the friendly sea otter. The potter, it all flows from his hand. Predetermined plan for this new man band. I spread some jam when my mama makes toes. The flatline sits me straight when I try to brag a bow. Yoki, artichoke, the dragon's kind of bad. Sometimes I'll eat oranges when I'm feeling sad. Rockin' shows on the stage, we bring it beats to the youth. Handing out flyers with love for the truth. Understand, we're going for the next best thing. Sincerity, clarity, just like a diamond ring. So like flowers after hours, we feel life. Think on your feet, at your seat, and that's why it, we sing. It's, all, it's one of those things also where the words come out, and then you have to, like, uh, play kind of mind game, or, like, I don't know, twist a meaning out of it. But, you know, because you hear a lot of words in there that kind of make sense. But also yeah. understanding that uh, writing a hook involves you know, putting string, you know, catchy words together. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, kind of, I, I think once we realized kind of the message we were going, besides just being a funny song, uh, you know, 
having this positive message that we were also trying to put out as far as like being thankful with what we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is kind of funny, kind of big, big topic, I think to go over, but oh yeah, I mean, at that point in life, sure. you and I had both already gone through, uh, you know, stuff in life personally, oh, yeah. whether it was like deaths in the family or, or otherwise right. that, you know, helped us shape our perspective on things to, yeah to understand that we can not cry over spilled milk and be grateful with how things are and look at on the bright side of things. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is just something that like we had the hook and then we just started riffing off of it. Um, and you know, as yeah. such we have, you and I play off each other throughout the song where, you know, you and I are saying two to four lines where maybe half of those lines are serious and the other half are cracking a joke on what we just said or yeah. Yeah. doing wordplay. I mean, I, I start off a line saying, okie dokie artichokey. <laughs> I still <laughs> like, say that to this day. I didn't, I didn't Thanks really, to you. I didn't really know. Yeah. After you, you yeah. talked about, about bragging when you brag or boast. Yeah. 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 And you said your bragging's kind of bad. I mean, it was kind yeah, of was, classic I've, riffing off each other. And yeah, and I, and, it started and, happening. In that line, I was, I was making fun of myself cause I, I have this, uh, tendency to this day to be you know cocky and that kind of thing and i like my heart wants to be humble but my reality is i'm kind of an asshole sometimes so like i think i was making fun of myself then and you know definitely kind of kind of trying to keep that spirit alive but i i think this song came from a couple things for for one thing i think we were in a transitional period as a group because we were still like sorting out like who are we and like, what, what, what are we trying to say? You know, yeah. like, how do we define ourselves? And we were at this point, if you look at the lyrics, we definitely had already been to Nashville and talked to forefront when we wrote this song because, yep, um, for sure. We, we talk about being in like Orlando and, uh, Oh yeah. All oh, that, I wrote the, like, some, yeah. Cause I, yeah, I, I scraped some lyrics. I scraped some lyrics off of you know little <laughs> funny notes or one-liners I was writing yeah. in notebooks as we were traveling across the country uh, in 2000 and then 2001, yeah. I imagine, uh, with yeah. you know the, the trips that we had made that were you know band-oriented uh, trips that we made um, or otherwise. But yeah, oh yeah, gosh, we were so we, we were taking we were taking the Greyhound, having meetings with record labels, and going to conferences, all kinds of stuff. So I th I think. I think there was a like a self-aware moment for us where it was like, okay, like so we can write whatever we want, but if this is where we're getting our attention from, you know, namely the Christian music industry, we have to have some kind of message. So what if we like planted in some sort of positive message that would translate to that crowd, um, but without like not being who we are? Like let's still be who we are, right? So, next best thing well, was a great, I, yeah. a, a great thing because as you point out, like we we had both been through some hardships and um, from from those hardships learned how to cope and deal in life. And sometimes you don't always get what you want, but but you do get the next best thing, and you should be grateful for it. And and like so, we wrote a silly song about that. And it was it was that's wonderful. kind of the blueprint for kind of writing the the songs that weren't written yet that we wrote for the rest of the self-titled album that yeah you know we we wanted to make sure they were they had you know 
moments of focus, but also self-reference and self-depreciation and jokes and, and, uh, and so, you know, that totally, that totally makes sense as far as, you know, the, the position we were in where we were writing next best thing in California before we ever moved. Um, yeah. And yeah, how that absolutely. helped us write new songs for the album as we moved on. So the, the next track is uh, geeky music for kids. This is one of my favorite songs from this album, but it's also in some ways, one of the more painful ones um, from that era, because I think, uh, we almost said too much in the song, but I still love the freaking song like so much. <laughs> oh man, that was geeky music for kids. That was uh, gosh, I'm pretty sure it's just like a writing session. Uh, yeah. I had this little guitar riff, which you can still hear buried in the track. I, I mean, it's like layered productions, like in retrospect, really well done, totally different than anything yeah. I was doing as we were self-producing, but like this layered oh, production yeah. work, and there's all this, you know, instrumentation in there. It's, uh, gosh, uh, I forget the, uh, the gentlemen that were, uh, that were also laying down, uh, tracks for us, uh, that were better qualified to play drums and guitar and bass guitar. Uh, even though we, we had, you know, written some of the music, uh, really helped lay that out. Um, I can't honestly remember if you or I wrote that or if someone, a third party, started off with that, yeah. those lines, but it really became like me singing it really, really jokey, like, you know, yeah. like a, like a buffoon, uh, you know, in the way I, I kind of joke, joke, like kind of winking. That was, it was brilliant. <laughs> winking a nudge, but as I, as I winkly, uh, sing that, sing that track. Um, uh, but also being kind of like, uh, I don't know. You you were kind of mentioned earlier, like saying a little bit too much, like maybe accidentally, like yeah. purpose, like accidentally, like hardcore pigeonholing ourselves, maybe. Um, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know that we wanted to make music like geeky music for kids. Uh, like, uh, it was our point. I think was like we we kids find our stuff funny, even though we're actually speaking quite a bit over their heads. Um, exactly. But at the same time, we are, well we are appealing like crazy to youngsters, and that's kind of yeah. freaky. Like honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think too, like through the early days of Royal Ruckus, I was working in an elementary school, and we performed at the elementary school a couple times, like it yeah. directly in classes and that kind of stuff. So, like, it definitely, the stuff we were doing translated to kids, although I do remember us self-censoring a few words, which is hilarious because we were so squeaky clean, but, um, yeah. but you know, we weren't writing for fifth graders, right? So when we're rapping yeah. for fifth graders, we, we did self-censor a little bit um, out of respect for the school, and then, and then, like, we get a record deal, and it just felt natural to write this song that was self-deprecating, kind of put ourselves in the, in the shoes of uh you know the yeah. elementary thing um but it but we weren't kids bop right like we weren't trying to do like a kid record um but we we were encouraged to do this and it, and it was a lot of fun um i do remember i don't remember what the first version sound like uh sounded like of the song but i do remember when it um when Josh came back with his version that had horns and all kinds of stuff on it, I actually oh, hated. Yeah. I hated it at first. I was like, "This is not the song we recorded," and I was kind of shocking. It was super yeah. shocking. It was like, 
I don't hear where this is. Well, I like. I feel like it's not fair being a kid, anyways, to yeah. any anyone in in the middle of a piece of work to like judge them on the progress, like because uh, like I, I can't hear. I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear where it was going. Like I was, yeah. Like, yeah. This song is like to me. I can't think of it in any other way than it is on the record, and I like you know as right. it is on the record. Right. But I do remember when it was like, hey. Here is like kind of the demo version of it, and there was so much stuff on there that I had yeah. never heard on this track. Cause it started off really simple, like probably yeah. a breakbeat and me playing guitar, and then it turned into this like, oh yeah, really head yeah. Thing. But it was like had these instruments. So I was like, where did these come from? Like, whoa, yeah. Yeah. crazy! It was nuts. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, it started growing on me though. Well, and, and we had uh, we had a lot of stuff going on on the record too because we had the the band uh, I I'm assuming they're defunct long defunct uh, Car Twenty Seven, you know yeah, they they, they came in and they played a lot of instrumentation. Sometimes we weren't even in the studio when they were doing it. Uh, I mean, it was dope when we were in the studio, but sometimes we weren't. And they did great stuff. And then you know, I don't know if if Josh pulled in some samples as well. I, you know, or you know, Meath had some input. I know, I know, Meath brought Meath brought a couple of samples to the table um, for some of the songs. So I don't know the origins of everything on it, but yeah. Um, but when it came back to us, and I was frustrated with it, still I gave it a chance. And then over time, it ended up being like, actually, this is really good. And I, I do remember when we were on tour, that was actually one of the most fun songs to perform. And like when we were on tour with uh, Tate, we are on Tate, yeah. on tour with Tate from DC Talk, you know, the big thing he did, because, you know, his, you know, he still was uh, kind of leaning on Jesus Freak with DC Talk as their yeah. biggest hit. I remember since we were an opener, we would kind of like play on that because you got the Christian crowds. You'd be like, "Are there any Jesus freaks out there?" Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, Tate has his freaks, but we're looking for some geeks. Are there any geeks That's out there? Right. <laughs> play on words. <laughs> that works so well. So many people would just go oh, crazy. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm a geek. You know, and and we we made it like okay to just be like who you are. You know, and. Oh yeah, I, I, I felt that. I kind of uh, like that. A moment. It was kind of like a moment from. Uh, oh, I can't remember now. I may as well not even tell the story. Adam Sandler movie, not, not Happy Gilmore. The other one back in that era when Billy Madison. Okay. Oh so, yeah, 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 yeah. Adam oh Sandler, yeah. The Adam Sandler movie, Billy Madison, when his yeah. buddy pees his pants, and so oh, he's yeah. like, "Hey, check this out." He pees his pants, and then. Yeah, like seriously, pee in your pants is cool. If you ain't pee in your pants, you ain't cool. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. oh yeah, we all pee our pants. You know, screw you if you don't pee your pants. Pee in your pants is yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean, not that I, we were saying uh, being hygienic, uh, you know, uh, disgustingly unhygienic is right is, uh, right. <laughs> is the way to go. But just uh, right. kind of being like really opening that door. I, I mean, I feel like I've always, I feel like I've always been part of. Uh, a community or group of people who, who you know it, it's it's uh um it's it's worth reminding each other uh that you 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 probably feel different you probably feel really different than a lot of other people maybe you feel alone but yeah. you're not alone in feeling that way and that's okay 
Um, yeah. You know, that, that's yeah, a really seriously. deep message to get out of that. But I, I really feel like that's an important message, and you can still get out of that from that. No, and I, I think that's that sort of stuff is behind a lot of what what we were doing back then. Um, and you know, we we exchanged a meme recently, or I posted it on the Royal Ruckus page or whatever about um, contemplating mortality and facing anxiety <laughs> and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yep. And I I, th- I think right. a lot a lot of what people don't always see up front when they hear our music is that like a lot of the joking is like the face of like deeper stuff. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, so it's, like yeah. It it, it makes definitely. sense in my brain. It doesn't always make sense to other people until they like get to know us and then I think it it kind of clicks, but it's it's so true though. I I think it's a uh, it's a very good very good reminder. What you got? We be coming through your speaker hitting 15,000 watts Cause I come into the party, make the people say Hey, I'm from the golden state of California, yay Date class, yeah I was there With all my smart friends and nine reindeer Elementary knowledge up in the fourth grade Playing violin and orchestra, yo I had it made I like to read books and play cute little percussion Jumping double dutch, I got a major concussion Hanging out with the girls, getting beat up by the boys Could not be cool, I made yeah. instrumental We've got a lot of record in front of us, but I, I honestly think that we've we've covered a lot of like the the background without like having to to spend time focusing on the background. But um, yeah, the next track is "Wink and a Nudge," and this one was deliberately message oriented. I think we uh, we were encouraged to do that, and and I think we took like one message per verse. And oh yeah, uh, I mean my writing style is my lyric I mean I wrote the lyrics for this my my lyric writing style is entirely different. I'm you know I had to yeah. work hard to tell a story for the yeah. length of a verse like together. I mean even so I do kind of dip out and just kind of do like kind of like a, a rhyming, you know, scheme here and there that yeah, some nonsense words are thrown in. But the whole, you know, I wrap it up. Uh I wrap up my verse in the last two lines of what what exactly I'm talking about. Um, and I think yeah, I, I think we all kind of do that throughout that yeah. song. Just kind of like sure. point it out, and then the hook is the message. Yeah, it's plain and simple. Well, the the, the hook is, is really catchy. Um, the production, uh, honestly, I think this is. I mean, th- there are there are songs I like better, like as my everyday go to sort of thing from this this project. But as far as like Josh and his like production and and all of that i think this is probably his strongest showing um, it's really dynamic uh it really is three two every two or four lines the beat changes and it yeah. really helps it, and, yeah. it's, and then it kind of like the beat drops at the end of my verse like it's kind of all over the place at first but yeah. then it gets groovy right at the last two lines yeah um Right, in, like as it leads right into the right into the chorus, which is very singy songy, yeah, um, and like it's super catchy. I mean, that's good. That's 
good track, man. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> from my mom's house to look at the stars. I was so impressed with the style of finesse, but I could not speak a word in jazz. So we looked to the sky, sang lullabies. I asked her some questions to clarify. A wink and a nudge, cause I don't do that. The world of flesh and devil, I must combat. Things seem a little different now, I know who you are. I thought I had a girl who had raised the bar. You said, since no matter in my mind, I can't think, I can't mess with that now with that nudge and a wink. No, it, it, it really is. It really is. Before we go on, um, I, I do want to say a couple things that are that are kind of fun. First of all, you know this this was almost a closure to um, an era earlier era of Royal Ruckus where I was kind of ripping on a lot of the you know prosperity preachers and that kind of stuff. Because uh, there's a whole verse on that, and and I still oh, love yeah. to rip rip on the prosperity preachers, I guess, if given the opportunity. But it's you know it's not as much of of a mission of mine anymore. But definitely did that, but did it did it in a fun way. And then the other one was uh, you know having a verse about like true love waits for sex and marriage or something like that. And yeah. um and and that's that's a very you know like it's a very noble and wonderful thing and and something that i i still am all about but um since this is a shipwreck podcast and we don't have any shipwrecks oh, really is. here i'm i'm gonna throw one in there and that was it was really weird listening to this song at one point with a girl that i slept with and <laughs> her saying yeah. oh yeah i used great. to listen to this song when i was a kid and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm a horrible human being." So, <laughs> oh yeah, so that I felt terrible when she said that, and I kind of realized, like, what am I doing? What am I doing? So, there's your shit. Well, you know, I, <laughs> in the context of the other two verses, there's still really crappy pop music getting made, and, and in the form of, I guess you could say, like mumble rap, uh, and then yeah. you. And then you have, uh, you know, uh, still some pretty crappy stuff going on uh, in churches uh, in the name yeah. of God that, you know, should be, you know, that that's just getting by on a wink and a nudge. Like, yeah. oh, man. But uh, well, gosh, that, 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 that story about, uh, about, <laughs> <laughs> about being <laughs> one you just slept with mentioning the yeah. song. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, I, I don't, mean, I don't mind my own lyrics critiquing myself, so that's okay. You know, I can fall under my own condemnation, so I'm okay with that. And, the, and that verse that's, is a very nice great. verse. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a pure, it's a verse that comes from a place of purity, and I, I, uh, I should resemble that more if I get a chance. So, um, <laughs> so, so the next track is is kind of fun, and we we can tackle this and and another track all at once. And that was we had the Irene yeah. Caller. You have one urgent message. Three, PM. Please hold your Hey, yo, what's happening, yo? This is Cookbook from L.A. Symphony, man. Hey, what's cracking with you guys over there, man? For real, though, yo, yo I sent you some heat. I said, well, look, it's mad heat. Why, why, I don't have, why I don't have my check yet? Where my check at, man? I ain't playing with you guys, man. What's up with all that Red 5 Entertainment, man? I ain't even playing around. Y'all better send me my money. You know I sent you some heat. You know I sent you some heat, man. I better get my money. I'm coming down there. Oh, man. Oh, I swear. End of message. Do, do you remember how yeah. this came to be? 
So if I remember correctly, the irate caller is Cookbook. And yep. he wants... He's like shaking us down for something. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's money or if it's for like... Uh, something we owe him royalties maybe or... But I remember like re-listening to it uh, like uh, about a week ago, which is funny, I can't remember what the subject was now, but I was just yeah. like cracking my butt up because, you know, knowing, <laughs> I'm realizing I've known, like I've, I've been, a, you know, known this dude for a while. I, I don't know if yeah. he knows me, but knows sure. of me, but, you know, to like, ha- to uh, have this guy have been in my circle for, for this many years uh, and then just right. go back in time and hear, hear him as the irate caller. It was a shock. I didn't remember he was the irate caller. When I saw it was coming up, oh, that's funny. Thing. I thought it was maybe Josh, and I think Josh, because I think Josh does do, uh, he, does he do does, a, a phone, he, a phone call. He later. does one, yeah, um, yeah. And um, and uh, you know, it's all like kind of part of the narrative. But you know, this also goes along with uh, 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 skits being so freaking hot in. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I like rap or hip hop mostly, but I mean this. Eminem was still putting out albums when we were putting this out, and right. his stuff is just chock full of chock full of, uh, of like scenes, like spoken word yeah. scenes. It's yeah. kind of funny to think about now. Super yeah. hot back in the day. Um, so to have these like really funny interludes that have this kind of like storyline that goes along with the album, right? It's like a man, that's, that's modernity right there. Well, they they so where my from my perspective, I suppose I could be corrected, but. I think it was uh, De La Soul who popularized the idea of the skit. And, like, they were almost putting them between every song. Like, it was out of control. Yeah. You know? Um, but nobody had ever really done that before. And I think people just loved it, and it caught on and oh, it very, very quickly. Yeah. I've been listening to old uh, Fuji's and Wyclef albums, and I'm like, I wish these skits weren't in here, because I just want to keep dancing. But I'm also like, I did not mind them at all back in the day. Yeah. Like, they were funny. Yeah. Like, especially the Wyclef Carnival album, which, like, I think should be mentioned as a part of Royal Records history. Oh, yeah. Uh, because oh, we yeah. listened to crap out of that album when we first started hanging out. Oh, absolutely. Um, but that Carnival album has all these, like, skits in between tracks. I was listening to it at work uh, the other night. I was closing down. Uh, you know, cleaning up the shop takes about an hour to do, and I threw it on because, like, people have never heard it or always like, what is this album? I'm like, get hip to this. Um, but the, like, the rhythm slows me down because I always want to keep like, yeah. going on to that next track. I find it so funny, like, my tolerance, how it's changed uh, from it being something novel to right. just being like, okay, I, I get it. <laughs> well, I, I, I think when you, when you go from a world in which you put the needle on the record and listen from start to finish, or you put the cassette in there and you listen from start to finish, to you can skip around, uh, yeah. or you put it on shuffle, I think your mentality changes. And That's true. The, the skits are no longer part of the overall experience. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But, you know, I, I think, like, so we didn't really do skits on some of the cicadas, but it, it, it's close enough. I mean, we, we did have interludes, um, you know, in, in the first half, cicada facts and little clips that sound like they're off an AM radio um, of, like, country oh, songs and yeah, stuff like that. True. So, but I what really we liked did. That, with, uh, that way. Yeah, I, th- I think it really works, and part of why it works is the 
album is meant to be listened to from start to finish, uh, at least at least the first half, at least the part that was 100% you and me, like was supposed to be start yeah. to finish. And, and, you know, like you can listen to it on shuffle, but when you listen to it from start to finish and you get those parts, it like adds to the full experience. But that that's kind of lost these days. And I, I think when we were doing this, I think we we're on the tail end of that being a thing that a lot of people did. And I think it's really decreased after, you know, after we released this album. But but it was fun to do. And part of it was, like, so we didn't have that many guest appearances on this on this project. You know, we had a shoestring budget. You know, they gave us the 1500 bucks up front, but they were, like, not trying to spend a whole lot of money after that. And yeah. so as we were asking people to be on there, you know, different people had different expectations. You know, some of our people would be like, sure, yeah, I'll be on your record. And then other people were like, yeah, so when do I get paid? And the L.A. Symphony <laughs> guys all wanted to be paid. And we, you know, we had Flynn, Cookbook, and Uno on there. We tried to get Pigeon, but he was just too busy. Um, and uh, anyway, you know, everybody wanted to be paid. Yeah. And they were so jaded from their experiences uh, that they wanted to get paid the maximum that they could be, which was us. Well, I guess maybe not us, but it was probably me and, and uh, Josh. Um, you were probably like, I don't want to be a part of this. You do what you got to do. Because uh, <laughs> I, was, I was handling the yeah, business. Probably. But, but, but yeah. it was like us like fighting for whatever we could get these guys. And I don't remember if it was like one fifty or two fifty, but it wasn't a whole lot of money. But it was it was a check. Yeah. And it took a long time to get the check cut, and they sent the vocals in good faith. And so somewhere along the way, during I mean, it only took us like six months to record the record, which we thought was like forever yeah. back then. But um, yeah, Super it seems like a relatively <laughs> short time to me now. Yeah. Um, you know they. We, we got this idea, like, what if we had all the guest people, like, call in and leave voicemails, like, complaining about the whole process? Wouldn't that be funny? And so, like, we, every guest artist, I'm pretty sure, maybe not everyone, but at least, at least some of them, um, we asked them to call in and leave a voicemail on Josh's uh, cell phone complaining about something re related to the record. And Cookbook was the only one okay. to call it up. And he left... Uh, two or three voicemails to give us a choice, and we ended up using two of them. And um, it was pretty funny. He was basically just like, where's my money, man? Where's my money? I gave you the Mad Heat, Royal Ruckus. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you Red Five Suckers. You know, <laughs> like, like we gave him, like, some talking points, and he just really went for it. It was pretty great. Yeah, um, he did. He absolutely did. It was bonkers. It was awesome. Yeah, so. All right, so uh, check it out. It was fun. That was that was sort of a rock rap song. KJ five two tells me that doesn't yeah that doesn't translate anymore. That rock rap songs don't make sense to people, and I like I don't care because rock rap has been going on since the eighties. Um, but uh, what yeah, does like, he mean? They don't make sense to people. What does that mean? I don't understand. Dude, that, he that okay. Phrase. So like he's been actively doing music for for a long time. Putting out a lot more records yeah, than, than like us, a and professional musician. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like he's still doing so, it. So, like he he's done some things that like we tried to do, like Rob from Pillar. Like remember, like we wanted to have Rob on a song. Yeah. Well, like he yeah. did that. Like he actually did have a song with Rob, 
and like it did well and all that stuff i suppose and um you know like he's got a number of rock songs out there that that really worked and then like uh from what he's telling me is like commercially it's just not happening anymore like nobody cares about that like in in the in the rap world they just want to hear rap you know i don't know whether he's right or wrong I, I'm yeah, just saying I feel like probably like, the it's changed. Closest thing to closest thing to like a rap group that has kind of like a rock and roll vibe might be like Run the Jewels. Like their music is loud. Sure. Um, yeah. Not the, just the fact that they have like Zach Zach Taylor Rocha on one of their tracks um, from Rage Against the Machine. Um, yeah. But uh, that is, that's really interesting. I guess it's kind of like video game music now. Maybe. I don't, like, uh, I mean, that is really interesting. Uh, check it out. Um, like, started off just with that piano sample. And yeah. uh, then we just started layering keyboards and guitars on top of it. Um, and then added that sick break beat, and it just kind of took off. I rock mics on the steady, endure like ever ready Paint a picture, make some waves, get featured at Getty Excellence pursuing what I do Some stay faithful while others live true Better ways, once done, brighter days will spawn The sun will blaze and the space will be gone A new reformation to fix the church's situation Dogma will in turn bring closer transformation As it now stands, built upon the sand Must confess our faults before we die upon this land So let us raise the bar if we're gonna go far Make a splash with piano and a six-string guitar So check it out, what we're all about Living by the beats that make you wanna shout We rock bombs and tie them in a knot We're moving so fast that we make the party hot yeah, but I know yeah. that we we wanted to have like these rock songs. We were already doing, um, we'd already done those tracks. Um, let's see, that ended up on uh, "Not What You Expect." Yeah, uh, that had that rock edge. Yeah, um, and I know we wanted to kind of keep that going, like really kind of flex. The fact that we were, you know, we had influences outside of, um, you know, just hip hop or the Beastie Boys yeah. or whatever. Yeah, well, and, and the reality is you look at the Beastie Boys and they were always like a hip hop rock hybrid. And then um, oh, yeah. on top of that, like I always wanted to capitalize on, you know, your multi-talented in interests. And so like if you were into techno stuff or, you know, you're, you're into... Um, you know, rock stuff, like, let's put it together. And and I think that's one of the brilliant things about hip-hop is hip-hop has never been, like, a genre of its own, ultimately. If you look at the ultimate tra trajectory of hip-hop, it's always been, like, absorbing aspects of other genres to become its own thing. Yeah. And so that that's what I loved about, like, what we did and uh, what we've been doing and working with you was, like, we were plugging something into this thing called hip hop and creating something unique. And I think check it out. Um, well, it fits with, a, with, you know, a number of, of, uh, you know, rap rock outfits or whatever. It, it really still kind of has its own feel. 
and it's it's highly energetic. It always went over well in in uh, in person. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we had a lot of fun fun doing it. I think uh, for your verse in particular, I think it was uh, probably one of the most hype verses you ever did. It's, I I think you know Meath was on this on this track. I feel like yeah was supposed to be i feel like we had an invitation out to another rapper we, like yeah we T-Bone sure did. or um, or somebody somebody was in, invited to be on the on the track that that couldn't but me filled in and and he did a, a classic verse on there and um gosh yeah. it was just it was such a, it was a hype really song. nice yeah um i feel like also uh, I'm, I'm pretty darn proud of that hook like uh we write rhymes and tie them in a knot, and then shout out to the oh, next yeah. person that's gonna rap. Like, so, oh, like, dope. so so cool to hear that played back. And I was re-listening to this track the other day. Um, <laughs> that's a solid solid line right there. Yeah, yeah. And I I, uh, I I thought about resurrecting that song. Not that we can find any of our freaking instrumentals anymore from this album. Um, uh, hint hint. Oh, if you. If you can dig in the archives, I'll resurrect some stuff. If you can hey, find the instrumental. I, I turned my computer on. <laughs> I turned my computer on the other day. Uh, nice. <laughs> just, dust some, blew some dust off of it. It's the same computer that we did uh, some of the cicadas on. I just, uh, oh. I just haven't touched it in a minute. <laughs> well, I I would like to. Re- I see that. You know, I need to crack those DVDRs open. I know it's 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 crazy. I keep I keep digging on my on my computer, thinking one of these days I'm going to stumble across something and be like, oh, I found the gold mine. But uh, no luck so far. But um, but yeah, the the song is so fun and and energetic, and um, it it almost even though it's only like a third of the way numerically, I I feel like it's almost halfway um, as far as like strict content. Because we start getting a lot more interludes after that point, and the character changes a little bit. Um, uh, we we had the I had a dream interlude, and then we have let's start a boy band. Hey, Michael, you awake? What? I am now. Wake up, man. What? Well, I had this crazy dream. What? Were you a detective again? No, not this time. <laughs> I dreamed we. We got to quit our jobs at Starbucks and make uh, some real money. Mon- money? Money. Money. St- no more sta- coffee? No more. We started a boy band. Cool, we were a boy band singing and dancing and acting crazy. <gasps> oh, but we should just do it. Yeah. Sing this song. Now, Let's Start a Boy Band was a yeah. completely different song in the demo stages. It I don't sure think we was, had... Because it was first... Uh... Came out on the Apocalypse Fair Change is a kind yeah. of a whole other sounding track. I mean, it's definitely more like a kind of just like speaking back and forth groove. Uh, yeah, where we were kind of like throwing throwing the idea of being starting a boy band back and forth, and kind of like ripping on the fact that like, my goodness, there was like five popular boy bands out of the yeah. Time. Yeah, this is Pigeon John introducing the one and only Boy Rockers crew. Come on, come on, say what, say what, say what. So the, the joke was, you know, here were a couple white guys from, you know, the the uh, suburbs doing a rap group, 
what if we started a boy band like NSYNC or or uh, Backstreet Boys or something like that? What if we did that? Um, you know, how would we do it, and how would we write a rap song about it? And I think when Pigeon came to your house, I don't think that song was written. I think that was the only one from the demo that was not written. And I think we said, we have this idea for this song. Here's what we want to do. And I think that's the one where he actually made the beat from scratch or pretty close to making it from scratch. Oh, um, yeah. The only thing I contributed was the break beat that he just spliced hmm, into a drum okay. set and, re- re- and yeah. re- rebuilt the drum beat. Um, that's a, my only contribution to it. He built yeah. the, that bass line and that little keyboard. Doot, 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 doot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that part. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure had a heavy hand in the hook. The say what, say what, say what, say what. Sorry, yeah. boy band. Make the final cut. Yeah. Um, and, and, had and a, a good heavy hand in that. He, he also gave us the format of the, the verses. He said, um, you know, he said, you guys should do like, you rap four lines and then, and then flatline raps two and then you rap two and then flatline raps four. And then like, like, I don't remember exactly how, yeah. he did it, but, but he gave us a structure and he said, this is, this is how you should do it. And then we just wrote to it. Like he didn't write the lyrics. He just gave us a structure on how to format the song. Yeah. And I like think really it was actually. Template. Yeah, I, I think it was something that you, I don't know which song, but I think it was something that L.A. Symphony used in a song or two. And he was like, this worked for us. You guys should try it for this beat. And then and then we wrote it, and then we went down to L.A. and recorded it, and it went, went great. And then when we took it to um, to Red 5, to Josh and Meath, uh, they had a vision to actually make it into a song that actually sounded like a boy band song. Because the other one's kind of like right. it's, it's like a demo version for this song, even though it's really tight. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, the premise is that you and I are just rapping back and forth about doing whether or not we should do this. Um, yeah. And it's real chill. And then this version has got this heavy house beat, and we're just like dancing, right. just immediately dancing <laughs> um, <laughs> to this song. Um, yeah, it's and, so uh, fun. Just really throwing, throwing, like just really naming all these different like uh, stereotypes and tropes throughout a throughout a whole. Just kind of like calling out, you know, this, uh, this overplayed genre that was kind of soaking up a lot of things at the time. I think it's well, like uh, even the magazines, like it was, like it was, it was, it was very like it was very aware. And I think I think some of why it was aware was, you know, you had younger siblings that were in elementary or junior high. Um, 
and then I was working at an elementary school and we wrote it and all these kids are like reading teen beat and like memorizing in sync lyrics like oh yeah we were pretty aware of what was going on there <laughs> uh so it was, it was pretty fun today we are at the bakersfield coffee shop where we have secretly replaced these fine patrons regular coffee server with michael walker of royal ruckus who has no earthly idea what he's doing let's listen in shall we I have a triple grande, two-pump vanilla, three-pump caramel, non-fat, extra hot, no-pump, free-rock sugar latte at the bar. I got a grande chai cream frap. There's a quad grande, non-fat, extra hot latte at the bar. I got a decaf, triple tall, sugar-free vanilla, soy dry cappuccino. Man, somebody ought to write a song about this. Well, Coffee Shop Interlude is, like, hilarious. It's totally, like, me role-playing, you know, a confused barista who's just like, these drinks are are crazy. Um, because, like, not only that, but, like, I use the, uh, I call out a drink uh, for a Frappuccino, but I call it a frap, and, like, I just oh, yeah, cringe yeah. listening to that. From the four and a half years I uh, I, I gave to uh, to Starbucks, which you know in turn put me in a beautiful place where I am now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the cop back coming back to the coffee industry in a different capacity, um, a very similar one though, but more focused professional. Right. Um, but <laughs> like Josh, Josh introducing me like he was no <laughs> idea what he is doing. <laughs> like, oh, that is the funniest thing. That is. So funny, so hilarious. Um, yeah, but that that, uh, that interlude was was pretty well crafted because uh, there was some passive ag- aggressiveness there because I, I think one or two of the drinks you call out were drinks that we were trying. You and I were thinking about drinks we would they hate. They were to real make. drinks. Yeah, yeah, and and I it's like not the, just like oh I can't stand making this drink, but the people like there was just like I, I don't know the, yeah. Like, um, it's just kind of like stressful situations created <laughs> from people that were ordering these types of drinks. Well, I, 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 I can't remember if it was like an extra dry cappuccino or what it was, but there, were, there was something about a cappuccino that was a little difficult to make. We we put that in there. Uh, you also called out like my drink at the time. Like a venti extra dry cappuccino. Yeah. This was that's a like 20 all ounce drink that foam. was all foam. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like yeah. I could attempt to do that today, but there would still be separation after a while. Like, like yeah. they wanted me to, they wanted to scoop scoop foam like a yeah like a foam machine into their cup. But yeah, that's the real deal. That was the real yeah. thing. Yeah, it, it it was incredibly funny to to write that that interlude because we definitely, I mean, we probably didn't write it out word for word, but. I'm pretty sure we wrote it out like we were writing on a drink cup or something. Like we, you know, you called everything oh, yeah. out in order according to the Starbucks, Starbucks standard. Um, you called out my my quad grande non fat latte that I used to drink back then. Yeah. Um, and I think if I low remember calorie, correctly, baby. what what was that? It said low calorie baby. Oh, I know. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, give me that fat. Um, but. But yeah, so so then I I think also the reason we called out the frap was because like frappuccino was like registered or trademarked or something, and so 
Oh yeah, we, we didn't actually want to. Yeah. Get in there, especially since we were still on the payroll at Starbucks when we wrote that. Yeah. It was like we didn't necessarily want to get identified or like notice uh, at least for yeah. for cracking jokes at their expense. Should and and, and we an issue. We we broke uh, Starbucks rules by having photos taken up, professional photos taken of us serving coffee in Starbucks aprons and hats, and we even put it in our album artwork. I don't know if you remember that, but oh, it's all in there. Oh, darn right. Yeah, oh, definitely against great. the rules. Yeah. I think, I mean, gosh, Latte Show in general uh, is, like, one of my favorite songs, and I was excited. Yeah. I, this was a song that, actually, I was excited about the first time I heard, the, like, how it was coming along when Josh, like, first played it after, mm-hmm. like, recording all mm-hmm. the tracks and booth and having no idea how the you know these basic scratch scratch tracks of music that we were recording our vocals over would end up sounding but um latte show actually was had like as bonkers as it is production wise i mean that in a good way like there's a lot going on um like i feel like there's even more like josh had to back it off because there was like a yeah. lot more going on um he kind of he kind of like went all out and uh i, I mean it, it still shows like yeah, oh, kind of yeah. like uh, like we can nudge. Uh, this this track has just like a lot of I don't know, a lot of thoughtfulness put into, it. and I, I I'm sure oh, yeah. I didn't appreciate that at the time. Like I know, yeah. uh, Josh's wife, you know, mentioned how many nights she didn't get to hang out with him because he was working on this oh, album. Like to realize yeah. now, having myself worked on albums now, and not even near to the capacity that he has professionally, um, but just understanding, oh yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. To produce a track, like to make sure it's not flat and boring, and even just the work we did on on summer yeah. cicadas when like when like Sean had had stuff to add, you know, well he was just engineering, mixing, and mastering. He didn't have to, you know, add any any you know any right. tricks or anything right. here and there. But you know, still having you know someone that puts thoughtfulness into that. I thought Latte Show really sh- really shines uh, yeah. as a result, and it's so freaking funny. I mean, the name is uh, was it was originally you came up with it, the Latte Latte Show with like yeah. Gracie McGee or something <laughs> silly like that. Oh yeah, like, probably. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds really familiar. I I forgot about that. I only remember the Latte Latte Show, but it was, a, it was yeah. The rest long, sounds familiar. That was probably just like something I wrote down in a in a book, and then we shortened to Latte Latte Show, and then it got uh, vetoed down to Latte Show, which which makes sense, but the. referencing like uh being a barista uh, i mean as it is in a lot of service industry but 
being a barista at this, in this particular situation at Starbucks, like it was like putting on a performance for the whole six to eight hours or four to six oh, yeah. eight hours, um, where you, you know, you had to really, you had to be sparkly and smiley and make oh, sure yeah. everyone felt like really taken care of. I mean, I think it's taught me a lot in the long run about customer service and, you know, when it is deserved and when you need to be tough, but, um, yeah. but feeling, uh, feeling like this really was like the late show, like to be someone that could have witty conversations with strangers for 30 seconds at a time, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I honest, about it. <laughs> honestly think it, it was one of our most brilliant songs. And, um, you know, when I've been on tour, it, it has been one of the songs that I've actually gotten requests for from people that has listened to us for years. And so if you ever do break out those DVRs, uh, you know, I hope you find that because I will find a way to rap that solo. And because <laughs> it, it's just such a fun yeah. song. And it's it's back and forth, and um, you know, like our style in doing it was cool. Like, if I remember correctly, like we wrote our rhyming pattern in threes, which the only other yeah, time I was about to say, it, bro, that's a three rhyming style. We, yeah, because we were as you're probably about to say we were copping the or I wouldn't say we were copping, but like straight up uh, San Diego. Yeah, um, like a, a brainwash project has a very similar, similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, back and forth that is like I mean it's it's clever because you have to like be willing to end your rhyme on the third line yeah um, and uh, wrap it all up so fast <laughs> yeah and it, it it makes it a little awkward but it puts a little pressure on the next rapper and it also puts pressure on you to like make sure your thought is wrapped up so like I, I think it's pretty brilliant and and in reality, like the the back and forth thing, you know, that didn't start with Brainwash, Brainwash Project and LA Symphony. I mean, that's that started with Run DMC or or BC Boys yeah. or whatever. Like, like the back and forth thing is something that rap groups have done forever. And how to For format sure. it is always like up to the rap group. And you can have it evenly done. You can have it like unevenly done. I think BC Boys are probably pretty good about like historically they were pretty good about like keeping you on your toes about who was the next rapper yeah um now with with the format that we did you weren't really on your toes about who was the next rapper but you were a little bit on your toes about like where the song was going and and i love yeah it did give like a like an an easy or maybe like a uh maybe like a um uh you, you musically it didn't fit what kind of feels naturally until you hit the hook because not only yeah. were we doing like yeah. three bar three bar we were doing three lines but like the music was three bars long so it was the loop would start over at the beginning of each rhyme but then the hook would come it'd go back into four um you know really straight so it did create these like fun little this is definitely the verse because it feels yeah. it kind of feels bonkers um, I think it all kind of ties it up pretty well. Um, yeah, I was I, listening to oh, to uh, Jurassic to Jurassic Five earlier today. Um, okay, and they don't do a lot of back and forth, but just thinking about like how back and forth has has gone on, like they do do a lot of um, like handing off, like we're like uh, playing off each other. Uh, oh yeah, but then yeah. they'll they'll have like a hook where actually everyone kind of has like a line and they pass it off to the next person. Um, 
they're just freaking classic. Uh, vibing on that whole thing. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I love I love what they were doing, especially their earlier stuff. They were re- just really in sync with each other. I I did want to I did want to point out a funny line from uh, Latte's show that was a little passive aggressive on my part when we were writing the song. Uh, we had had some pizza, or maybe it was your pizza. I don't know, but there was one piece left. Oh yeah. And I asked if you would share, and you said no, it's mine. <laughs> you freaking ate it. <laughs> while I was writing the song yeah and, uh, so I was I, like nah I'm dem- I'm taking this <laughs> so I remember why I thought it was funny too I was just like nah <laughs> I'm, I'm, it, I'm not I, gonna yeah. be cool <laughs> my, my butt was totally chapped over that and so but I but I turned it into Mike won't share his toast I think he is a jerk and uh yeah. You, you were amused that I wrote that into the end of the song, and you you let it go. You, it didn't bother you. So, but toast was really uh, a euphemism for pizza. It still kind of cracks me up. <laughs> I don't know why, man. That's just something that never. That's like one thing that never really bothered me that I did that to you. <laughs> oh man! Uh, Deny my brother bread for sustenance. I did not need another slice of pizza. I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's it's hilarious, though. I mean, and 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 like that sort of thing. Like if we really fine tooth combed our lyrics, I'm sure we've got all kinds of references like that. But that one really sticks out to me because it was so immediate. It was like you told me no. We were writing the song, and I was like, okay, I'm writing this into the song right now. <laughs> yeah, you Dick. like immediately referenced it. You're like, I'm writing this in. You yeah, uh, you do that a lot uh, during that song because you also wrangle in uh, Elmo <laughs> and the talking rubber shoe because Elmo's World, a segment of Sesame Street, was oh, on TV yeah. uh, while we were doing some lyrics. Yeah. And honestly, that now that's an episode. I, I don't. My children are now not of an age where Sesame Street's uh, you know, of anything. Of right, them, but right. when they did watch Sesame Street, I would still catch that episode. Where Elmo and that that's funny. Shoe. This whole episode, he's talking to Robert to like these other things, including shoes, um, would come on, and so I would just automatically be reminded about writing this song, and how you threw that in. It was like, oh, literally, like for your third line. I don't know if you just needed something yeah. with shoe or whatever the ooh noise was, and you wrote Elmo and a talking rubber shoe. That that's funny, and right. let's. Let's not forget from that same television, uh, Moby came out with that We're All Made of Stars song at that same time, and that made it into the song, oh. and that, that was because we were watching yeah. freaking MTV or something. Oh yeah, like I me. Mean, that's so funny. I was cable hungry too. I'm pretty sure because I didn't have. I never. I had cable for like a short amount of time in my childhood, but it just wasn't like an important TV. Was like that important as far as like needing to be able to watch everything all the time. So I'm just yeah. like over the air was fine for my family. It, you know that was fine, but it, it did mean like if I were at a friend's house that cable that I did like binge watch or you know go to my grandma's and just flip 
through every channel every 30 every five seconds sure <laughs> like whatever but mtv whenever they were or mtv2 probably uh was showing showing videos all the time and uh heck yeah mtv was on yeah Gosh, a lot of mtv was on yeah and we weezer oh like, mtv hash, hash pipe I, I think was big at that I time should, yeah Golly, yeah. Uh, what other videos? I know um, TRL was still a big mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Carson Daly. He, Carson Daly is name dropped on Let's Start a Boy Band, and so is TRL. TRL, I also mentioned on Wink and a Nudge. I feel now. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the album, uh, to have yeah. to know even what TRL means, uh, it's not part of the pop, pop culture right. anymore. Right. If it's still on, it's not like a conversation anymore right. at all. Right. Um, or even who? What is Carson Daly? Like I know Carson Daly. He, he. I'm sure he produces content, and I know he occasionally like has like a late night show or does like interview shows here and there. Sure. Um, but uh, he, you know, he was a part of pop culture for a really good, yeah. uh, like a strong chunk chunk of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that showed up on our album as well. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's one of the things a lot of people talked about with the album was like it was pretty fairly conversant with pop culture. Um, but that is also a danger because that, that can date you pretty quick. Um, uh, even even L.A. Symphony that came Feeling out, that. you know, they had that song Selly situation and they're like talking about flip, oh, flip yeah. phones and all like like a lot of what they talk about still makes sense. But a lot of that song doesn't anymore. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so we're we're only about halfway through the album, but I think um, we actually need to wrap up. But I think we can we can. Yeah hop, skip, and jump over some of the rest um, with a couple brief comments. Double take, what what was that one all about? In a sentence Gosh, or two. <laughs> that was a really singy song. Um, that was a good message song. What was that? Uh, Very much. So whatever's in the future and whatever's to be, thank God for this girl that has been given to me. Am I thinking right? Yeah, because like uh, being appreciating uh, a girl I might have feelings for as a friend, uh, yeah. I believe yeah. is like like saying, "Hey, this person stuck around during some hard times, you know. Uh, regardless, you know, and that's something to be appreciated." Yeah. Uh, gosh, that's like a pretty uh, that's a pretty woke uh, subject matter. I might I might add for these right. days. Seriously. As far as kind of like a, a climate of, uh, you know, how women and other people, minorities are treated, uh, yeah. but that's that's going down yeah. a whole other rabbit hole. Um, yeah. But but uh, gosh, definitely uh, that love song. Um, uh, you touched on some probably like a handful of experiences that you personified uh, in in a verse. Um, well, I, I, to a I certain think. Extent. I think for, for both of us, I mean, um, 
I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to show too much of our hand because, you know, you always want a song to communicate to everybody. But I think we both yeah. had particular, particular things in mind when we wrote our verses. And at least for Easily. me, uh, and knowing you at the time, I feel like it's the same is true for you. For me, my verse was deeply personal. And one of the most autobiographical and personal verses on the whole album, even if, you know, I embellished or changed some things, like, it came from a place of authenticity, right? And, um, you know, we had to make some concessions for the label and for the producers that uh, I wasn't terribly happy about. You know, it's a little more bubblegum pop than I really wanted it to be, but... It was still a good song oh, at sure. the end of the day, and and I did I really it's, did it's enjoy the performing. tone of the album. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely, it, absolutely. Um, Bob went crazy was kind of fun because uh, so Bob knows we wrote the song about him. Um, <laughs> he, That's I, kind I, of a weird. I think it's a weird song now too. Like like it's kind of yeah. exactly explained. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the, the the long and the short of it is, um, and I you know I don't want to spend too much time on this one. Um, I mean it was a song we we wrote in California, and honestly I think if it had been up to us, this probably would have been a throwaway song for us. It wouldn't have made the album. Definitely. Um, but it it was a message oriented song, and so I think the label liked it, or the producers liked it, and wanted to run with it. Um, the the production is unique. The the music writing, even your your style of the music, is unique uh, for you. Um, and so I think there yeah, are standouts about it that that are like worth like looking at. But yeah, the so the song is is about a buddy of mine, and well, and he was yours at the time too. Uh, I've kept up in touch with him over sure. the years, and he started having some ideas about things that we didn't understand. What can I say? It just happened one day. Maybe too much coffee, maybe too much John Bray. Failing eyes, breaking to the failing blind. Time left too quickly, no way, press rewind. Just a hobby, Bobby? Eat some corn coffee. Ideas getting sloppy, right around here, here's your lobby. So I cruise onto his bed, just to see what was ahead. Instead of good old Bob, crazy books onto his deck. I asked him what's the deal with all this extra stuff. Said that it was cool, but God's truth wasn't enough. Well, I do like petty work, if so fun. What's the matter with you? What have you done? How many days and how many hours? Maybe locked up And uh, so we made a song at his expense, but we veiled it enough that it could <laughs> apply to a number of other things. It was like loosely inspired by him, right? That's what yeah. we tell ourselves. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So. <laughs> it was, uh, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so when, when I told him years later that, that uh, he was the loose inspiration, he was a little mad at first, and then he came back, and he thought it was pretty funny. Um and and particularly since some of the things we thought he was crazy about, I ended up thinking the same thing later. <laughs> Embrace. So he he was like, "I'm in, I'm vindicated because of you, Jamie." You know. So absolutely, I'm still like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> One to the two to the MP3. Look at them download our music for free. I'm hungry, just- 
just look at me No sales, no money from Flickr Company Have a little problem with the World Wide Web When you're downloading all that I've said Sure I've done it once, once. sure I've done it twice. twice But when I buy groceries don't feel so nice See, food is the key to the MP3 When you download my song, eating can't be That can't be good, eating like the hood I don't live there, but I eat like I should Just take, for example, my production crew Me has like 20 kids who eat can't sue Get married, have kids If you make them starve I'll tell them what you did So do us on the favor Buy a copy at the store Don't download our record So we can make some more One to the two To the MP3 Look at them Download our music for free Yeah, and it and it was fun, and, and it was it was totally fun as like a one minute rap song, and you know it was in that weird awkward transition between everybody discovering that Napster, you know, free downloads, you can do this whole thing, and do we still have to buy records? Yep. I'm not sure. And it was yeah. before like streaming was monetized, so. You know, like, it was a nice transitional song. I do remember someone um, criticizing us online, saying that we, you know, didn't love people or something because we weren't willing to let people have our music for free. We were being selfish. And I was like, oh, you don't, you don't get the joke, man. Uh, also, you're the reason we can't put out another record on Flickr. So, um, <laughs> you know, just... But I should it, say... It was fun. <laughs> Uh, I, I also thought it was funny. I, I thought it was funny that my vocal contribution to the track was me saying the line, I'm hungry, just look at me. But, like, <laughs> looking at me, I was really fat at the time. Like, it was also funny because it was like, it was Fat Mike Walker, like, uh, <laughs> saying, I'm hungry, just look at me. That, that, <laughs> is, that is pretty funny. That means. I thought, thought that was hilarious. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I'm not hungry. <laughs> No, yeah, that, that, that was absolutely <laughs> funny, and and like the the way you did your voice and stuff was so like whiny and funny. Whiny. It was like it really worked like, well. Yeah. And we 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 poked fun at Meath having like a million kids and having to feed them stew out of a can because he couldn't afford it, you know. And um, you know, exactly. he's got he really does have a million kids, and uh, they're an amazing family, and they like. I don't know. So many great things in that, you know, so fun. <laughs> so B-Side Rock, I really liked that. That was supposed to have Dave from PAX 217 on it, but uh, for some oh, reason yeah. that never came through. Um, Assess the facts, the tracks may be cool at the bottom of the stack. So many speaking cries, so many hearing nothing. So if you're gonna speak, make sure you're speaking something. Check the facts that you spit before you transmit. I'm the man of the family, cause my pants fit. Now don't run a hide with the salt inside. Shine the light in the dark when you hit the A side. Yeah. <laughs>
B-side rock. I think I still, you know, it's funny. My verse from this is probably the only verse I probably still have memorized. I don't know why, but like when I hear a beat come on and I want to just like rap over it just to kind of feel the flow. This is you know, my my verse. You drop that like verse. What, that's what always comes back to me, man. And I don't know for th- for this song. I think it encap- encapsulates some of the error of what we were trying to do, and that's like. We were making music for the Christian industry by talking about why you shouldn't make music for the Christian industry and you should just make music for everybody. Yeah. And so we wrote a song about, yeah, like it's like we were writing subversive stuff, but like we didn't have clout for us to be subversive. Like we didn't have like clout for people to hear it. Um, Oh, no, no, no. But. I like that. that I mean, was, uh, I, yeah, it, it was at least a, a place I could point out. Hey, I'm. I was already talking about this. Like, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> not that I had yeah. the power to change anything from the inside, but like, right. aware. Yeah, and and I I, th- I think that's that's the thing. Like, we were self-aware, and we, um, you know, we were trying to help. Like, um, so it you know, and and it wasn't like we were playing a game. Where we were just like, okay, tell me what I have to do to make a million dollars singing about Jesus. We were like, okay, so we're in a context in which you should sing about Jesus. Well, let's have something to say. Um, yeah. Try to influence other people. So, I don't know. I, I, I love this song. Um, it, it's just an odd standout to me on the album. Um, and I, I still try to figure out, like how to think about how we conducted ourselves in interviews at that time and, uh, and that kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, I remember we had our spiels down pretty good, at least. Yeah, we, yeah. We could get on with it. Yeah, both both of us. We, we were a great um, back and forth, or uh, to borrow from uh, Ricky Bobby, we were shake and bake, you know. So, yeah, that's right. If that means Maybe. anything to you. <laughs> so well, I know Talladega Nights. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just saw that on your, TV uh, at the John hotel, C. Riley so. to. <laughs> yeah. One, two, one, two, three, four. Okay, man. Here's the thing. For the last six months, we've been making this record, and it's been one thing after six another. Six months, baby. Six months. Six months. Okay, here's the situation, I'm a professional rapper, make my money, singing songs, popping colors, looking dapper, straight bubbling. But more silly like in every song on this record has been like sight. Tried to get song from Pax 2 and Rob Dilla. Tried to get Pigeon John for an interlude filler. Super chick, dirt flight, 180 empty boom. Tried to get a little verse from Mass Supertone. But we get the stuff done, will it come out on time? No one ever really knows, someone changed the deadline. On top of all that, the computer just crashed. And we lost a few songs, now the record's mad dash. Plus I'm out of money, and my record even funny. Will they even get the joke? Will they think that I'm a dummy? Well, Never mind. All y'all would get it, Sean J signing out. You can call me Mr. Bennett. Jamie, baby! Ha ha! Man, that was brilliant! I love everything you did on that! I'm just gonna have to edit just some of that out. 
those kind what? of things. What are you saying? You know what, what I'm saying. What do you mean? What do you, you mean know? I can't say that? You know, man. What do you mean I can't say that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Being ridiculous. So, all right, let's let's wrap this this stuff up. Um, so six months. That was that was kind of funny. That that was. Uh, we we had a hard drive crash. We had some stuff go on, so I wrote a little oh, yeah. song about that. Oh. And then and then the the irony of ironies was that I made some jokes at the expense of Flickr, and I made some jokes about them censoring our record and like taking lyrics out. And then Josh edited my lyrics on that song because he thought that I made fun of Flickr too hard. <laughs> And so yeah, the funny, that's great. The the funny thing was like I was aiming the target at Flickr about censoring, but then it ended up being our producer who ended up doing the actual censoring. So like, there's so many <laughs> levels of irony in that whole thing. So it was pretty funny. Oh my um, gosh, that is so and, funny. And and we knew before it came out, like like Josh, like the end of that song, Josh let me know like hey uh, you know like he'd let me know like i edited that i don't think it's going to go on there so i had to add like a a conversation between me and josh at the end of that track um so i knew oh, yeah that's it. right yeah so that that was yeah. it was not a surprise when it came out and he was like i'm jamie baby i'm gonna have to edit a little bit of that out so, <laughs> um that was pretty fun um my friend, I don't really want to talk about this one except that it was a song that I wrote. Uh, the lyrics, you wrote the music. We recorded it. It was kind of... I, I would characterize the initial draft of the recording as U2 meets Jimmy World meets Royal Ruckus, if you can even do that. I wouldn't say that's what we set out to do, but that's the best I can describe the sure. demo. And yeah, because I was writing it on guitar at the time, and that's just kind of how the music style I was really influenced by was really showing up the way I was crafting the, the music for this track. Someday, my friend, if I must. 
Brilliant too, uh, um, because I I wrote I literally wrote that song on the plane leaving California, one of my first visits back, and I was just really sad about some of the people I was leaving behind, and 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 I wrote it, and I I don't remember exactly how it went down, but I feel like I just kind of gave it to you, and I was like, this is not a rap song, but I yeah, that's exactly what happened. And you're like, hey, and you, you were like, I, I can come up with something. Yeah. I was also feeling empowered to be like, hey, Royal Ruggis doesn't have to be a rap song. Like, it's my band too. So if I, yeah, if we're being pulled in the direction of like, hey, let's write a song, like, then let's let's write a song. Um, Yeah. Do that. I mean, everyone else, everyone else gets to do it. Why can't we? We have, we can. Yeah. Skills. Exactly. Let's do it. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I love that and and you brought like gosh you really made that song I mean I, I could think of a, a number of songs I mean like half a dozen songs that you and I uh, have done together that were not rap songs and 
I gave you lyrics and you like transformed them into something even better. <laughs> so most of it oh, unreleased, man. you know, but, um, oh, but, sure. but this, this is one of, this is one of them. And, um, it ended up getting turned into this, uh, sort of danceable beat mix, which was quite different from the original. Uh, but then you reimagined that, um, re- reimagined the original, and that is on, I think, the Pocket Lint Extended Edition or whatever, Deluxe Edition. I think yeah, I, I put out kind of like a more toned down version. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was like, I mean, honestly, Dashboard Confessional, like Chris Caraba. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, was the kind of the style because I did it like just all acoustic guitar rather than like recreating something that was like electric guitar, you know, Jimmy World, I guess, driven. This was more like yeah. on that tip of like the emo, emo acoustic rock music that was kind of coming out um, at the time. Um, but I, I felt like it really, it really worked that way. Um, I mean, it's not that it even sounds like that. It sounds like me singing, uh, singing a song. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but. Yeah. But uh, definitely, like, where I was coming from production-wise, I guess, or just, like, how I was uh, putting it together. Um, and then it made its way with, like, I think re-recorded vocals and, like, maybe more up-to-date, like, uh, sound quality on uh, Rumors of Our Demise. Um, oh, that, it, that's it where... It up on there as, as well. Yeah, I don't... I don't. Maybe it wasn't I'm on sure. Pocket Lint then. Well, there was a version, and it might, it's probably really? something like that, one of those released. Yeah, because I recorded it in, I ended up re- recording it again um, in, like, our apartment together uh, a yeah. long, 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 long time ago. Um, and you kept a copy of that because you really liked how, how it sounded just for, like, personal listening, as far as I remember. Yeah, um, oh yeah. But I do, so there, at that very that may very well likely be on an old release before I re then again re-recorded it for or whatever I did that it ended up uh, ended up on Rumors of Our Demise I honestly I think I think it only ended up coming out on Rumors of Our Demise um, oh, okay now that I think about it I mean there were other versions but I don't I don't think at least well at least what's out there currently <laughs> I think is yeah, only on like rumors of our demise. Re-release editions, like because I know we had that um, sweating to the oldies. Yeah, like yeah, collection but that had a that that predates that all that though. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's like right before we moved, so that wouldn't have been on there. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, honestly, but yeah, I I think it only ended up on rumors, um, but. I mean, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, we, we, so we had a version on self-titled that that was different than the original, so it was more of a danceable thing. And then you created something that and it was even more stripped down than either the original version or the released version. And I remember the initial thing of it, if I remember correctly, was actually a gift. I think it was a gift from you to me. I don't think you did it for an album. I think you yeah. did it because... No, I wasn't um, trying to put on anything. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I think I just uh, was was disappointed that the original version never never ended up out there in some form. You know, I think we had hoped it would be like a special release or a special download or something, and then and then it just it just never happened. And 
uh, I think just as a gesture of kindness or friendship, or maybe you just felt like maybe you're bored. I don't know, but you did it, and then I didn't even know you were doing it. All and of you shared it with me, and I I was like super touched, and um, and then like it it had a couple iterations, but um, but ultimately it's you know something along the lines of your your version uh, is out there on rumors. So you have now heard Flatline's version of the song. So let's take a sneak peek at the original rough mix. This is the only copy that exists. And then you can also hear the version of the song that ended up on the record. Enjoy.
All right, so the last two songs and one interlude, Arrive at Something was a lot of fun. Um, that that's something yeah, we talk sure about was. actually in the in the last uh, podcast. So we probably want to cover a lot here, except that uh, this is a song about getting dissed by girls. We had a lot of fun writing it. Uh, the original <laughs> yeah. version had Yoda on it, and then um, as we were recording for the the uh, Flickr release, we thought we should have a guest spot. And then that's where we got Flynn, right? Yeah, yeah. So we. we Here's the here's the thing about Flynn. So, this is a song about getting dissed by girls. This is totally out of the wheelhouse of LA Symphony. This is it's it's funny. It's about girls. It's perfect for an LA Symphony guy. So we hit them up, or we hit Flynn up, and we're like, "You should be on this song." And I guess he just like was like, "Oh yeah." So they're on Flickr. So they're doing Christian music, so I should write a Christian verse. Because <laughs> yeah. this was like one of our silliest, like, just, it was just a girl song. There was like no explicit Christian content. And, yeah. No. And then Flynn came along and gave us a verse that was all about like dealing with difficult things in life and um, accepting how things are or whatever it was. And it was a great verse. It was a fantastic verse. It just was like so much more focused and more mature than the rest of the song. <laughs> oh yeah, because we're just bouncing all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Like in in the song, you're like giving your demo tape to this girl. Like that's how you're hitting on her. You're like, here's my yeah. demo tape. You know, I'm I'm like pretty cool. Calling her mom, you know, and and uh, trying to say this Chunjay from Royal Ruckus, and she's like Royal Records. Like, at least in the original. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Royal Records? <laughs> pretty funny. And and then Flynn comes along and drops this, like, really, like, introspective stuff that was amazing, but um, but kind of changed the tone of the song. And I think it worked for Flickr, especially. So I think, yeah, we, you know, definitely. he filled, you know, he filled Philip's, or Yoda's shoes, which would have been the second verse. But because it was like he dropped a message, I think that's why we put him in the third verse. Because it was like, okay, yeah. well, we'll oh, yeah, that's true. set up, like, right? Yeah. He, he, exactly. he can kind of bring it home. I'll just take it a couple lines at a time. A couple lines at a time. I shall. I shall. I shall. I shall. Oh, yeah. Uh. Driving. Down the boulevard, got my top down, plain plain guy in my car Like a superstar, chillin' with my girl Yvette Little Mexican muchacha, I held the hand yet yeah. I'm at third down the West L.A. Hangin' with L.A. Sim, cause I am John Jay Feeling okay, Emirata Cafe My hurricane balloons and a tulip bouquet You shouldn't have Oh yes I should, I like you, pop, knock on wood Haven't been on a date since I was 19 I use sunscreen, good hygiene, I chew winter green Come on event, what do you expect me to do? I like you and your family too Here is just a little something Why we seem to arrive at nothing There. there, nice to see you this time Meeting girls shopping at the local by the time Maybe 
my bad haircut, it could be like a style Pretty face, wish I had her phone numbers to dial Here's my demo tape, it's really good I swear Maybe if she heard it, she'd notice all my flair She smiled a bit as she reached for the tape I hoped that later I could ask her for a date Well she went home without a hesitation Called me up later at my current location I asked her how she was, how's the family and such I said, what you doing? She said, not much So I asked real nice if with me she'd like to go She stuttered and fluttered and she answered me Is no. my voice is squeaky but I'll make up what I lack She said, no, it's just your demo tape is black Ah. Here is just a little something Why we seem to arrive at nothing System, let out a sigh. I throw a prayer in an aggravated yell. I throw a prayer, but I can't really tell if I'm heard that was spoken. The words that were broken, all in a cold where the motive to be soaking. Still, small voice, not my choice, way to speak. I walk around it, dumbfounded days and weeks. What? Finally, no more can I stand it. Break down my pride, just reprimand it. God's way, the only way I recommend it. Even though most of the time, don't understand it. Uh -uh. Here is just a little something. Why we seem to arrive at nothing. Great to work with Flynn too. I mean, I've, I, I've always I've always enjoyed Flynn, and uh, I, I hope we can do some stuff with him in the future. I've floated some ideas for some projects out there, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully something like that will come together. But uh, that was yeah, that was fresh. a fun opportunity to work with him back then. So, anyway, uh, wrapping up multi-purpose room. Um, yeah, crew jam, man. It's a posse jam. So yeah, this has um the this is built off of uh, the beat that I made for uh, the ch jelly filled chicken filled chicken filled donut <laughs> chicken filled donut uh, caper the, the theme song for the chicken filled donut caper the VHS uh, yeah the straight to VHS feature feature film uh, that you uh, that you uh, directed and produced. Uh, and co wrote. Uh, <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> available now. And, uh, but that was a sick flute sample and, uh, got, a got a spread out over, what, long, this long song that we've got just like a bunch of great people on. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, as, as a guy who grew up on classic hip hop, you know, I always loved the posse jams. And, uh, of course, the, you know, the, quintessential posse jam is scenario tribe called quest you got you know buster yeah. rhymes spitting uh, like all these guys are jumping up there and just dropping this classic stuff and so i've always enjoyed like let's just get everybody together and everybody just rap uh, another one that comes to mind is mc search who used to be in third base well third base had um oh, i forget the name of the original but uh, MC Search came out as a solo artist, and then he assembled 
you know, this posse jam, and they called it Back to the Grill. And uh, actually, that might have been the first one. It was Back to the Grill, right. and then Back to the Grill again was the sequel. I don't know, something like that. But these are like freaking classic songs where just a bunch of great MCs just got together and just rapped. Yeah. And I, I loved that idea. So for multi-purpose room, it was like, all right, imagine you go into a multi-purpose room, which is essentially what they started calling cafeterias. Um, Cafetorium. Know. Yeah. So, so you go in and they use this for all the assemblies at a school. They use it for lunch every day. They use it for bingo for the old ladies at night, right? It's like yeah. all the things. And, and so imagine a bunch of rappers going in and performing. And that's it. And so, you know, when I'm trying to tell other rappers who are going to be on the song, like, what it's about, I'm like, it's not a, it's a song about nothing. It's like, whatever, it's, just, it's about a multi-purpose room. It's about, it's a song about rapping or whatever you want to talk about. Talk about chickens if you want, like, it doesn't matter. And, and so, like, that was so fun. And, uh, everybody brought something oh, fun yeah. to the table. The, uh, the final layout of the, of the lyrics and uh, or the verses and all that stuff was not exactly how we had envisioned it, but um, we were kind of up to the wire and there wasn't a lot we could do about some of that. Um, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a fun song, and uh, from, from that point to the present, I've always wanted to do a sequel, and uh, we'll see what happens about that, but I kind of feel like a multi-purpose it, it two a is coming. I feel like it's coming, man. I would man. like to read... I would love to revisit that flute sample also because it is sick. Um, and we could do, gosh, I think it'd be great to do a part two. Now, um, I sent you a text a while back, and I don't think you ever followed up on this. Did you ever listen to the bus driver song right. that I sent you? Oh, no, I don't think I have. Oh, dude. I can't think of the name of the song right now. But the very same year that song came out, Bus Driver came out with a song with the same sample. And I only heard it last year. Oh, no, this year. Yeah. I I heard it for the first time this year while I was on tour. I was playing a show in, in Kansas. And while we were waiting for the, for the first artist to come on, they were just playing hip-hop. And the song came on, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the same sample. And I shazammed it, and it was a Bus Driver song. And it's yeah. Incredible. Incredible. It actually, it's a good okay. thing I never heard that song before ours came out because I would have probably vetoed our song because his flow yeah, is just incredible. Like I'd have been like, okay, we got to find a different sample. Like, <laughs> we'd start over. <laughs> but it's incredible. You got to check it out. I'll, I'll put a clip on, the, on this episode, but... Oh, that's dope. 
could talk too long. This uh, this has been great. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to like it. I hope yeah. everybody's going to like it. But good luck uh, turning this into something <laughs> useful. Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, you know, with you know, every interview is different. Everybody is a little different. But with you, I, I'm just like kind of having a natural conversation. So um, I think we we probably talk a little more than I do in other ones, but. Um, True, but it's it, it's going to be good. Um, so I appreciate you being on, and you know, hopefully we we'll, we can follow this up with uh, one on the summer of the skaters, and then uh, maybe yeah. down the road we can we can fill in any gaps if there's any anecdotes or whatever we want to tell. Um, I keep thinking of stories, dude, all the time. Um, just this past week, I had a I had a friend in town, and. I was telling stories about you and over the years, and I was like, gosh, that'd be a great story to share on a podcast. But it's like, how do you think of these things? <laughs> like, sometimes the fun stories just have to come up in the moment, you know? Well, dude, um, really get great to talk with you. Thanks for being on this episode. And uh, since it's on the phone, it kind of feels weird to finish out formally, but I'll, um, I'll fill in the blanks, and uh, we'll catch you soon, man. Right on, dude. This has been a lot of fun. Tons of fun. All right, dude. Have a good night, man. Peace. Peace. Journey's how I make my check. I like my record company, but they don't like giving me money. Cause my rhymes are falling off, they want a record that is funny. Crafting all these lyrics every day and every night. Then I turn them into flavor and they edit what I write. You have one unplayed message. One twelve a.m. Jamie. Hey, man, this is Josh. Listen, man, I was uh, just talking to uh, Flickr, and we got to talk about these lyrics, man. Um, they're funny, but uh, I don't know if uh, anybody's going to get these, dude. This is how we rock it. This is what we do. We're stepping in the place with the R.R. crew. We're making moves like your mama, too. Put your hands in the ceiling in the M.P. in the